Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of By the Numbers. I'm your host, Richard Lewis. That's Duncan Thorin Shields, Sam Davis, all the boys. How are we doing? All right. Yeah, all right, man. Straight yeah. into it this week, we? This yeah, is a anyone. <laughs> Listen, I'll tell you why I want to get straight into it. Uh, and that's because, um, well, first of all, I was up late last night because I went on fucking Trainwreck's podcast. And man, when he does a fucking podcast, that guy, like six hours, like, just of. You know what I mean? Man alive. Like, Seems reasonable. Who's digesting that, mate? Six hours. Well, the way he does it is, it's so he like he tells his audience to like get into bed at the start of the podcast, and it's you and like, you know, ten other people. And you they just talk about stuff, you know, and it's like you can take breaks, you can go in and out. It, it's a bit surreal, because if you'd told me when I was like, you know, in my 20s, hey, in like 10, 15 years from now, you'll be doing a podcast with Jens Pulver from the fucking UFC, um, talking about Jeffrey Epstein, and like you, just, like, you just couldn't explain that to me, like, it would just blow my fucking mind, so I was up all night doing that, and then um, on top of that, like, the new series of Mindhunters out, right, on Netflix, right. so I want, so I want to fucking binge that shit, right? You know what I mean? Um, so, so yeah, so I thought we'll fucking just blast through it. Might make it a 20 minute long episode. Fuck them. Fuck the patrons. <laughs> fuck, anyway, I've got to get back ever. to this podcast. <laughs> I'm making all money from. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but you don't but, even yeah, know what I've left now. <laughs> but obviously, it's been a fucking uh, real slow news week. So, look, just before we get into that, obviously, uh, you know, shout out to the sponsor. Uh, and obviously, shout out to the patrons that I just told to go fuck yourselves as well. Right? So, look, um, where are we going to start here? I mean, like, there's one drama that's really dominated the past week. Because it's another slow news week. I mean, you always hit that lull pre-major anyway, right? Sure. Uh, that's just natural for how the season I have one topic out. we could do that's, like, roughly connected. Because obviously yeah, our games, like, let's face it, right? The whole thing mm -hmm. about, like video games and the concept of violent video games and their connection to things doesn't have to be literally mass shootings but anything political that people try and tie it to yeah obviously our game is always going to be at the forefront of that because the theme of our game is literally terrorism obviously so yeah that's never going to wash very well so i have to say even though that's a topic everyone else is like it's like well trodden i actually mm. find it's not something people have gone into any real depth on like every single the sad thing i find about that topic which we I, I think we could actually feel a little bit ourselves with some different takes mm. is it tends to go like this so people here in the news are oh, politician x or you know a governing body x or some sort of like uh, let me think how would you describe it some sort of like affinity group has blamed yeah. gaming except they always say violent games for violence in real life right and then what happens is people who know nothing about games maybe go Oh, okay, yeah, maybe that's the thing. And then people who know about games go, that definitely isn't the thing and can't possibly be it. And let's not talk about it any further, which is like, I don't really see how that one's any help more helpful myself. Because like on that topic, I have a few thoughts. Do you want to get into it a little bit? I think yeah, yeah, a lot of thoughts on it. Well, I mean, look, so it's, it's been interesting, right? I mean, just so people um, get, get a bit of broader context around it. Obviously, we've had a couple of, uh, you know, mass shootings in, in the U.S., um, you know, hor horrible uh, incidents, um, and in particular, what was a big tipping point to kind of stir up the same kind of national debate that, you know, we have at least, you know, once every three months out here, uh, is that we had two mass shootings within 24 hours, which of course is, yes. you know, horrendous, right? So where do we go? Well, obviously, you know, we, we'll, have the, we'll have the conversation about guns for a little bit, but then it becomes awkward because we realize 
that probably isn't a thing you can really fix. Here's, here's the problem you've got in America. You've got a constitutional right to, to own a weapon to protect yourself against tyrannical governments should one ever rise up. Right? I've, I've got conflicting views on that. Generally, I support the principle. Right? Generally, I support the principle. Right? Which that in itself is an interesting topic, though, Richard, because what I've yeah. always found very baffling is people who themselves want to cite other aspects of the Constitution, but who then want to tear apart the, the parts that they don't like. It reminds exactly. me of that classic speech that happens in one of my favorite movies, A Man for All Seasons, where there's a character who, funnily enough, is called Richard and was actually from Wales. And when this guy's berating this character, he tells him, he says, would you tear down every law in England to catch the devil? And the guy goes, you know, they all, they're all Christian characters, remember? He goes, of course I would do anything to do it. And then he basically says, and if you tore down all those laws and the devil turned around to, to face you, what would you have, basically, like, what would you have to protect you? Like, the point there would be, how then would you, like, impute the, impugn the devil if you taken, yeah. if you basically ruined every law yourself to get him? So I've never understood that whole, like, push in that sense, because really they are saying, like, let's just reboot the operating system of the whole country, which doesn't, itself is a legit position, but you then can't then claim as though it's as some special providence elsewhere in my opinion you know yeah and and i i think the problem is this there is absolutely no way to put the genie back in the bottle of course. right so so i mean because you know you've you've got a country that's had a constitutional right to bear arms since its inception i hate people who misinterpret the second amendment and go oh no 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 it's for a well-regulated militia complete nonsense the, you only for have to everyone. The, that was the whole point. You only have to look at the sentence wording structure. Says it, but yeah, it's very clear that it, because you you may need to form a well-regulated militia at some point, that we will not impinge and infringe on the right of uh, civilians and citizens to, to bear arms. It's very clear, right? So you have this situation in America where that principle has been applied since the country's inception. So you have a very high saturation of guns because obviously people will exercise their constitutional rights. The vast majority of people, legal gun owners, just simply exercising their rights to protect their home under the castle doctrine to, you know, what, what for, for hobbies, for hunting, you know, whatever it might be. The overwhelming majority of people in America are never going to break the law uh, with, with a firearm. Uh, but the problem you've got is because of that, uh, principle being applied on mass, yes, obviously, deeply disturbed people, terrorists, uh, you know, are going to use these guns to commit crimes. And on top of that, you're also going to see really uh, terrible instances of, of, of super aggressive policing because they have sure. to police in an environment where any civilian could yes. potentially draw on them, right? It's so, from both sides that it's going to get exa exactly. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. So, you have this escalation where police are hyper aggressive because you know when you're in the academy you all get told that story where the one time the dude was like reasonable with a perp and they didn't fucking pay close attention to what he was doing he pulled a gun out of a pocket they hadn't searched and they you know they they capped some police officer who's just out the academy or whatever so it's drilled into them how dangerous it is out there especially in the major cities and this leads to this rise of militarized policing that we've seen because obviously any anybody could have a gun now the thing that rarely gets talked about in this broader context about the the, the gun ownership in america is that canada has more guns per capita yep. this is one thing i want to bring up actually richard because yeah. the, what the point i was going to make is this in the same sense as immediately i feel like there's no thought put into either side like i'll go ahead and say maybe we'll get to this in a minute i'm totally mm -hmm. open by the way to the idea that perhaps 
games with a vi video games that contain violent themes with certain types of people may indeed exacerbate their fantasies. Who knows? Like I wouldn't, I would never claim to know that or dismiss the possibility you could do research that could be valuable in that area. Obviously, that would not mean I should be banned from playing the game, nor should it affect a, a pastime that might be like esports that would involve that. But I'm not against the concept. That's what that's one of the points I wanted to make at the beginning. Is I yeah. actually think people in esports are being very ignorant, just dismissing it offhand. Like, yeah, you know what? From my own life experience, and from as I know you're aware most of the published documents that have been uh, scientific research done into the topic, I think 99% of them basically came to the conclusion there was either no or a very weak correlation. So based on the yes. science so far, yeah, it seems very implausible. My own life experiences hasn't had an effect, but I definitely wouldn't dismiss it out of hand. I think that's disingenuous too. But the other part that kills sure. me is how can the person in esports who must understand on some level, right? It's because they've been in esports, they've been around games, they've known people like I have who've played these games and have had no violent effect because they've had basically experience in the field. They know, well, if you're not from my field, don't just comment on this if you don't know anything. They then take a breath, turn, <laughs> and now here are all my thoughts about guns, right? And then yeah, they're people who know nothing about guns. Like, like they always, what's sad is, right? If you've spent enough time in this field, so journalists are obvious example of this, you hear the same phrases, and as soon as you hear the phrase, it is a trigger word. It makes you immediately realize the person knows nothing. So, for example, as soon as someone says, well, that amendment was written for uh, Time with Muskets, like, you just read that off a fucking website. Like, that's not even true. There was fucking yeah, machine guns at the time. Like, the, the, everything yeah. you're saying is wrong. Like, what you're doing now is you've just gone to your newspaper menu, and you've gone, I prefer things a la carte. I'll choose this opinion, this opinion. I'm just going to say them. So similarly, like I'm also not a, not somebody who abides by the opinion, even though I'm not necessarily an expert on guns, that it's automatically guns. Because as you say, Canada is a very obvious example, even as shared yeah. culture with America. The classic one in Europe is obviously Switzerland, where like as far as I know, don't most citizens actually own a gun? Like the point is there aren't any of these things going on there. So that doesn't mean, by the way, like one thing I'll... I, if you notice, I always stress when I do Counter-Strike analysis is I never use single-factor analysis. The idea one thing caused it is just very implausible. So I would personally say guns probably enable some of this aspect, but I would, if I had to go ahead and guess, like I would imagine there are many other factors. Now, what's interesting is a lot of people have nailed individual factors like mental illness or radicalization from media or disillusionment yeah. with the world, like lack of family. There's a million factors you can list. The point is, just as video games is a very silly one to pin it all on, I think guns is a pretty silly one to pin it all on as well. Like the idea of that alone is the main problem. I don't really see it as that way. Like to me, if this person really is like a fucked up individual, they've been some sense being radicalized by their environment, whatever context that could be, media, just personal environment, and then they already had that mental illness and they're the sort of person, think of that the kind of person they've been identifying recently who commits these crimes. Usually it seems like high intelligence, but incredibly disillusioned with society, perhaps mentally ill anyway. I imagine that person could find other methods to kill a lot of people as well, aside from just a gun. Some of them actually arguably may be easier to obtain. You can make obviously certain terrible explosives with household objects, certain solvents, etc. So mm -hmm. I, I think it's a very simplistic angle. And let's face it, this is why politicians do it this way. They just take whatever angle they want to push their cause. I get that. It's when normal people, like people in our scene, just continue the same very shallow discussion. Whereas I think there's a lot more interesting stuff you can get into on it. Yeah, and, and look, you know, my, my thoughts on it are this, that, um, you know, I don't think having access to, um, you know, high velocity, um, you know, uh, guns, uh, you know, that can um, put out a, a lot of bullets in a short space of time, you know, high rate of fire, uh, machine guns, etc. 
Um, I, I don't, I don't think that's necessarily ideal. I, you know, I'd be willing. I mean, the, the thing is, you know, tr Trump comes in for a lot of flack about how he takes money from the NRA. He actually went. I mean, he actually at least did a ban on bump stocks, right? I mean, you know, that didn't happen under a Democratic, uh, you know, regime before him. Um, that that's like one of the most significant things that's happened to gun laws in in the U.S. Um, and now they're talking about implementing these red flag laws which again have their good points and bad points everyone's binary on it you know oh no 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 the government ought to be tyrannical with it i think if somebody's displaying signs of mental illness and you can preemptively stop them getting to a firearm that's probably a good thing all around but equally as well yeah it's definitely got potential obviously the fear there is like yeah. like everything that the government does as soon as they establish a certain type of person yeah, exactly. something, they exactly. can just semantically it. twist it so you become yeah, that yeah. person as yeah, as yeah, we yeah. all know with the terms like terrorist if you follow the patriot act yeah, it's all exactly. it's all well and good when in your mind you imagine a terrorist as a guy from a totally other country blowing you up. It's not so fun when you realize they could label you the terrorist and then do all that shit to you, right? Yeah, for sure. And um, you know, so uh, look, uh, uh, for me, I, I I've said it many times. There's something uniquely sick uh, at the heart of what's happening with with these people. Something about uh, you know, I, I I I'm not qualified enough to tell you exactly what it is. But there is some, you know. But it's happening in America for for reasons that you know it, they're not. It's not happening in Canada. It really isn't. They, they have the guns, but they're not walking around shooting each other. They're not as politically divided. Uh, why is this? And nobody wants to have a nuanced discussion about any of that. What we do is we we retreat into our um, you know selected tribes with our prescribed positions. And we just repeat the, the the same talking points ad nauseum. So it starts with guns. It very quickly becomes video games because nobody wants to. You can't fix the gun problem. I mean, you have to accept that now. You could if you if you ban all firearms in the U.S. You're only Still really plenty gonna... enough out there for the people to get them and do the same things, isn't there? Well, 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 well so what, what's what do you do? Let's do force buybacks. Right. Let's let's follow that policy. So now all the legal gun owners have sold their guns back and been, you know, financially reimbursed for it. What about all the illegal guns? What about all the black market guns? I mean, it was like that shooting in uh, Philly that we just had out here uh, where it was a guy targeting police officers. He worked for a drug cartel um, and people are going, this is why we need gun laws. Well, you think the cartel would be like, well, I can't get a license. <laughs> exactly, for a fire. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if I can't have a license, I guess all the drug dealing's off, lads. It's just we can't do it without the guns. Fucking hell. Those gun laws really stumped us. Like, obviously, Funny thing is, though, they're just going to buy them on the black market, right? The first thing I would think, Richard, wouldn't be, right, well, at the end, the way they did the murder was the gun. That's what I have to do is stop the gun. Well, as I said, there's many ways to kill people, unfortunately. Like, obviously, one of your favorite writers, William S. Burroughs, had a great quote. Whenever anyone said ban guns, he would just say, what you mean is weapons? And I could just take this bottle, smash it, it's a weapon. You take this chair <laughs> yeah. leg, smash it, stab you with it. He just said, oh, basically, all you're doing is banning the efficiency of the weapon. Like, you're not going to actually stop the weapon in any way. Um, um, so a, man who, uh, a man who accidentally shot and killed his wife. No, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, listen, I'm not saying I'm, 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 okay. I'm not saying yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, listen. Just putting that out there, bro. I love We're it. But he Rob did shoot. He yes, did shoot yes, his yes. wife in the head. He did shoot his <laughs> wife in the head doing a William Tell impression at a party. Yeah. Just putting that out there, right? Like, exactly. love Bill Burroughs, <laughs> but I did shoot his wife in the head. Like, just putting that yeah. out there. But the point I would make is this: right, is the first thing I think. By the way, when I hear any of these tragedies, 
isn't like, oh, at the very end, how could you stop? My thought is like, what is it? Unless this is something where the person just has something broken in them as a person from day one, which I don't think seems that plausible. I want to know at what point things happen that push them in that direction. And to me, bizarre as it might sound, I think that's the best chance you have of stopping or limiting the amount of these illnesses. You have to go and you have to look like, is there somewhere we could have got to this guy when they were just disillusioned, when they were just... Absolutely. And the problem yeah. is, though, this is the reason you're not allowed this discussion, which is very suspicious, by the way, because it implies to me some of the people benefiting from this wouldn't mind it continuing so that they can mm -hmm. get their own pet causes. The problem is, as soon as you start talking, like, remember when we had that Florida shooter that actually did kill someone at an esports event? I made the yep. point on the show, just as with that streamer who killed the person when he was driving his fast car or whatever, I made the point, like, yes, absolutely. I feel really bad for the victims and their families and all that. But you know what? I also look at what a wasted life that was from the person who committed the crime. Like, what went wrong in their life that happened? Now, if you do that, people will immediately try and clip. Oh, you are just excusing the victim. Oh, you are siding and defending the victim. It's like, mm. I'm not uh, not the victim, I'm the perpetrator. It's like, I'm not in any way. What I'm pointing out is that actually, logically, is the most reasonable way to stop these things. Is that you actually have to get these people before they cross that Rubicon that means they're going to kill people and try and do something to help them or try and change some of their environment. So, for example, the most obvious thing to me that no one will address, because it in itself would be pretty obvious they wouldn't, is if you if we're going to accept the premise there is radicalization coming from things people consume in the world of media, let's start with fucking mainstream media. That's what we're all consuming on a daily basis. We're all just getting that shit pumped in our heads. And half of it reflects actually the sickness of the rest of the world and just transmits that to our brains. So it's like that if we're gonna if you accept the premise of radicalization, that must play a part. I know it's the, one of the things that the, triggers me half the time just to get annoyed on the internet. <laughs> Oh yeah, the, the 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 mainstream media are never going to take any culpability in it. It's it's interesting, you know. They create all this like faux concern and going, well, we're not going to use the shooter's name, and 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 because you know psychological testing shows that it's more likely to encourage copycats, and we've got all this stuff. Like guys, it, it's the it's the other stuff around the coverage. It's the stuff before the coverage. It's when you literally are just transmitting this like constant nightmare you know like for the it's past just a dystopian four years, world they create for yeah you, for, for, for the past four years i have woke up every morning to be told the world is going to end i feel i think we all feel that way like it's just something that well what are we doing war with china is it today you know global warming cataclysm uh you know okay nazis in the white house you know you know what is it like what is it today and and what the what the media are doing is they've created this like circus of fear around just current events and topics and 24-hour news cycles it's just there social media just beaming it direct into you giving you like the it. illusion of interactivity as well sure. like all those fucking greasy lunatics that reply to donald trump tweets endlessly oh, thinking, <laughs> thinking they're interacting with the president and are in some way important what's funny is when people even in esports do that i've had a few people i knew in the industry who did it and sometimes i just reply this is my standard reply i just say mate you're screaming at the tv again like no one's yeah. fucking hearing you even if you've got a good point no one's hearing you but no the sad thing about that is in my own life where I've noticed that happens is I'll sometimes be talking to people. It doesn't have to be Americans even, just people generally about, and people will bring up politics, right? I'm talking about a normal person who's not in esports. They're only on the internet every now and then on their phone. Mm. And what will happen is they'll bring something up and I'll mention something I've heard. And obviously I won't realize how deep in the rabbit hole I am. Cause I'll mention someone I think they all know. Like a classic example is I've talked to Americans where I mentioned like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and they were like, who is she again? And it's like 
fuck, wait, what? I managed in the twilight zone the whole time. Why am I thinking this is like everyone knows about this shit? And you realize even yourself to some degree, you're radicalized in as much as you have these strong opinions about stuff no one else even fucking knows about and actually impacts nobody's life, basically. Well, no, they, they proved that with a study, right? That it was like 90% of tweets. It's kind of like the wealth disparity. 90% of tweets are made by like 10% of, uh, of users. Mostly verified, mostly white, mostly middle to upper class, mostly liberal. You, you know what I mean? They're driving. All of Venn diagrams yeah. make a lot of yeah, sense. Yeah, right? So, so you know, when you look at that data, you know, Twitter's not a barometer for what's going on in the world. But but I, f I think a lot of us that have these, like, electronically, uh, digitally focused lives, we retreat into that. And we don't think we're in an echo chamber. Because we follow people who uh, sure. disagree with us. We don't think we're in an echo chamber because we follow a, bro a broad range of people. What we're actually doing is we are cutting ourselves off to a certain degree from just regular folk that, you know, Twitter's not important to them. They don't have a Twitter account. Most Americans don't. Most Americans don't know about this fucking culture war or whatever. You know, they know what affects their local community. They get up, they go to work, they come home, they spend time with their family, they go to church on Sunday. You know that it, it's it's not even to be disparaging about that kind of life. No, no, I Yeah, I I I almost feel that you know we we've made things worse for ourselves. <laughs> like for you know for people like me and you, like fucking jacked into the fucking matrix and just following all this nonsense on the internet. You know, like it it it, it does people good. I've never met one person, by the way. This is just another aside. We'll we'll come back to the video games topic in a second. I've never met one person. That has ever said to me, like, oh, I took a break from social media. God, it was awful. I've met plenty of people who said, I took a break. I, like, I, I went on holiday, and I didn't use Twitter for two weeks, and I just felt better. Like, just a relief, just a weight of, you know, you, you have a fucking cocktail, you lie on a beach, you look around, you talk to people, you're like, wait, the world's, the world's all right. You know, like, it, it, people are okay. And then you come back to Twitter, and it's just fucking, you're just bombarded with the shit. And it's it's rotting people's fucking brains. It's making people ill. And you like I say, you combine that with mainstream media pressure, 24-hour news cycles, constant apocalyptic screeching. And, and, you, and to come back to your point, amidst that backdrop, we also have this trend. I mean, this is the thing I think is, the, is, is what's a root cause, and it's a theory. And I'd like to see somebody do something into this. But do you remember when mediocrity was was okay? Sure. Like, like, do, do you remember a time where there was some sort of virtue in just being a guy who got up, went to work every day, provided for for their family, um, retired, and spent his time down the pub with the boys, and then died? And you know, there was nothing. There was nothing. Am I? Am I? Uh, recording yeah, now. Yeah. I think it's fixed itself out. Well, anyway, you, you know, so it, it probably is the server again. I think it did this last. Yeah, but anyway, cool. yeah. So yeah, it's fixed do, now. Do, do, do you remember when it was just like okay to just do that? That was most people's lives, especially my yeah, area. Exactly. And, and you would do, people would do a funeral service, and they would just say he was a good lad, John Smith. He was a good, good lad. Innings. Yeah, had a good innings. Did this right. And these days, you're not allowed. 
Like, you cannot be mediocre. We're all meant to be rock stars, film stars. We're all meant to be social media stars. Like, it's like... Yeah, you see talk- this in our field. Like, so, some of the people who come into esports journalism, I've realized what's the problem with the newest wave. It's actually not even their fault entirely. They've just somehow been sold the idea that they're all Neo in the Matrix. And if anyone doesn't realize, then we're all ignorant. So they think when they come in and they've done three pieces... That they're being like, like they they're being like held back in the industry because they haven't like risen to our level. It's like, well, first of all, you just haven't done enough to know you're not good yet, mate. And then secondly, three pieces. What? Who's holding you back? Like, if I'd only had three guitar lessons, I wouldn't then be like, I'm being held back from the music industry. No, no one knows who the fuck you are. Like, the problem is they come in with this entitlement that they're going to be amazing, they're going to go to the top. Whereas what they don't realize is in practically every creative field I'm aware of, especially one with mad competition for jobs, it's a massive slog. And pe- some people who have the talent never make it. Some people who have no talent make it, right? It's 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 a real tough fucking filter in that sense. So, mm. like, I do feel like I, a lot of that comes from the new, but, like, back in the day when people joined, sometimes I used to find they had the opposite problem. They'd join with a little bit of promise, and then they'd be going, I'll never make it, though. You know, it's so hard. And I'd be like, Tell them, nah, keep sticking it, mate. A few more pieces, you know, you'll get that raw. It used to be the other way around. Now people come in with, like, a mad arrogance from day one. I don't get. Yeah, well, look, so it, it, it's just... Uh, you know, again, just something happened. It was just like a, a, it was a subtle change at first. And then it snowballed to this point where basically like the, the Andy Warhol quote about in the future, everyone will be famous for 15 minutes is actually sort of being played it's out. It's pretty good, a, isn't it? Yeah, well, it, but, but it's being very prescient, but it's being played out as if it's actually meant to, meant to be the case. In, in fact, Andy Warhol was making a comment about how, the throwaway disposable nature of fame and 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 uh, future society societal priorities uh so but but everyone feels that way you know what when people are getting depressed because a youtube video doesn't get like a hundred thousand hits or a tweet doesn't go viral or or they don't have enough instagram followers you know and, and we're starting to see cases like this where people are attaching their self-worth to media reach what we have to start looking at is you know is this country is all of this contributing Two people d- deciding to commit these heinous acts as some sort of like last desperate throw of the dice to try and transmit a message, to try and matter. You know, they all write these same bullshit manifestos where they've got nothing to say, no, no fresh ideas, nothing in their head, but it's their little moment. And it's like, there's some, this is what I'm, this is, this to me is a problem. This to me is an issue that that if you if you're gonna take a life, the first step towards taking somebody else's life is believing yours has no value. Of course, because you're giving yours up to go do it. Yeah, with with with, with the exception of psychopathy, um, where obviously sure. you generally have like messianic delusions or whatever. So you know, but but in general, the, the when 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 a person c- commits something like this, they believe their own life is forfeit in some way. And this is why an, empath- an empathic response prior to the atrocity is a way to fix this problem. But of course, there's no fucking empathy out there. We're all out of that. Sorry, guys. Um, so that to me is a much bigger problem. Um, why do we end up talking about video games all the time? Well, because it's easier than tackling all of that. What we've, what we've done is we've created a society structurally there are things in place that contribute towards this and it's too complex to pick apart. You can't even, you know, if you pull it, the, the thread 
the whole thing unweaves and and it's too hard to put together in any meaningful way so we got to ignore all of that we have to ignore the complex layers of mental health and gun laws and media influence and you know all of this stuff like that's just there video games that remains such an easy and very uh visceral way to transmit an idea it's an idea as old as time that you will emulate that that if you are exposed to something you'll become simultaneously desensitized but also have a desire to replicate it because it's literally what I, i've described this on i'm pretty sure on like a past episode we did it's like a famous basically like historical debate that took place between like aristotle and plato in terms of like um just like um philosophy basically and the idea was does like back then they were talking as far as I know about like theater and the concept of like acting out things and you watching like some theater in which, you know, was tragedy or violence. And the concept was, does that make you increase the desire in you for it? Or mm. as I can't remember which one it was who said this, I think it was maybe Aristotle thought that it did. The other one, if it was Plato, thought that it had a cathartic effect and actually as by the way, it seems to align with most research in video games, probably slightly reduces your need to basically feel those emotions because you've got to feel them through the vicarious aspect of watching the play or in this case playing taking part in it yourself that in some way basically the argument in the video game sense would be that in, maybe to even a deranged person actually acting out these things could in some sense reduce the need to then go and do it in the real world as well would be the yeah. argument i guess yeah and and like i say all the studies show there is no well not all of them there's there's been one one of the most recent credible studies from oxford university shows no connection just no connection whatsoever between uh playing a video game that has violence in it and then deciding to go out and commit actual violence there's been one study that uh, linked short-term frustration responses and uh, potential negative life choices. It, the the methodology for that was debunked by another university. I could say but playing just... League of Legends, one good game of League of Legends can fucking absolutely my short-term anger levels, you know, rage at the world. It increases massively, Richard. Yo, to totally, totally. <laughs> that uh, game specifically, by the way, of all the games. Oh, well. yeah, definitely. Um, but But, you know... The, the 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 reality with that is like i say there isn't there is no scientific basis for this allegation it is literally taking something as simple as well because this content looks like this um people must be wanting to do it in real life i mean one of the worst things that could have happened by the way if you're interested in where we're going to go legally with video games uh, in the West, well, Donald Trump being elected was a nightmare because sure. this is a this is a guy who doesn't understand video games. This is a guy who was be back when he was doing fucking uh, what's it called, The Apprentice, was saying violent video games and turning people into killers. You it's know, actually it's one area that people wouldn't realize meant, meant that the last U.S. election there was no good choice between the two main candidates because Hillary Clinton no, no. made similar comments. Like both of them basically yeah. already used as a pretense in the past. So it's unlikely they were going to change their stance coming in now, were they? Well, of course. Um, you know, and the only way I think you get Trump on board with video games is if you can demonstrate somehow how they're a massive boost to the economy. And even then... I Probably doesn't help that so many of them are owned by China, mate. Well, I, well <laughs> in yeah, this particular context, you yeah, know. Yeah, there's that. You know? <laughs> um, but but anyway, so so I mean, look, I, you know, it, it is completely anti-scientific, but it's something that we just de default to. You know, we we did it with music. Uh, we we do it with music every other video nasties was a classic as well right yeah, in our time 90s. yeah when we were growing up i mean you know you remember how all that happened was because of the the uh, 
Jamie Bulger murder, um, and the two kids that did it were watching the horror movie Child's Play, right? Apparently, the night before. So that movie got banned temporarily in the UK, and it brought in this new wave of like puritanical stuff. You know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre was banned. I went to the cinema when that ban got lifted. Reservoir Dogs was banned in the UK. That's how late the video nasty laws were going. And the idea that, like, what's so bad? Like, Reservoir Dogs. I don't think even... Reservoir Dogs is a brilliant movie about why even getting shot once is a really bad thing and it can have a massive impact on a main character, you know? Yeah. You know, but but it was made, it it was the you know. scene, it was the torture scene. Oh, the one that, with, that stuck did in it. the middle with the yeah. yeah, where he cuts the ear off, but you don't even see it. It's not it doesn't even happen no, on no, camera quite deliberately, yeah. quite deliberately. Um, so you know, for years we had this thing. I mean, Clock, Clockwork Orange was banned in the UK. That's a little bit different because that was by Stanley Kubrick's behest because he was worried about copycats, right? Yeah, he heard about a killing um, uh, where where it mirrored the events in the movie, and he decided to impose a ban on his own film. Uh, you know, Kubrick was a wildcat, but anyway, so so it, it, we just choose whatever media it's going to be at any given time. If music is the one that's having the big impact on the cultural zeitgeist, we'll go for that. Movies, we'll go for that. Before that, you know, before that, it's been books at various points in human history. You know, the idea that ideas can be dangerous uh, in, in the written form and you might read a book and decide, you know, again, Anthony Burgess's Clockwork Orange uh, was deemed to be very shocking. Uh, you know, a, a book that was kind of where the protagonist was not only violent, but also it was heavily implied that, uh, you know, he, he wasn't reformed at the end and it just got more clever and tricky about how he was going to commit violence in the future, right? So th that was a deeply shocking idea. And again, people, you know, book bannings, you know, Naked Lunch Again, Bring Up My Boy Burroughs was the last book subject to an obscenity trial in the uh, US, and that's in the 70s. So um, cra cra crazy shit, crazy shit. Uh, you know, I, I just think that w the reason we focus on video games isn't isn't just because it's easy because of the content within them. There's also still this perception that it's the youth, right? So everyone gets super worried about it because, oh, it's the youth. It's the kids that are sure. playing these games. And, and therefore, we're putting ideas in their head at an early age when it's going to be too hard to, you know. And, and again, there's, there's no scientific basis to this. There's plenty of scientific basis to say that children who play video games are more likely to be high-functioning, more likely to be sociable, more likely to be well-adjusted, more likely to perform better in test scores. There's a fucking raft of, of, of evidence to suggest this. Um, and uh, oh, and to have better motor skills, better you, you know all of this stuff, better hand-eye coordination. The, the earlier you're exposed to video games, prob better problem solving. That was another famous study that kids who played uh, video games compared to not were, were better at sorting out fucking shapes in record times and all of this stuff. You, you know, there's a raft of evidence to suggest video games are entirely positive, but people can't get beyond the content because at the core of the the human belief is this erroneous idea that you know monkey see monkey do basically you know like we, that that if we're exposed to something we will go out and copy it and you know that that certainly applies to a very very small percentage but it would be no way to run society if we would ban everything that could potentially be perceived as you know causing uh unstable people to go out and copy what is clearly not meant to be copied you would you would you would 
all of sure. art would be circumspect at that, at that point. Sure. So uh, the, the video game stuff, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm depressed it constantly comes up. Um, but we need to get used to it because I, I actually think this it's going to be a while around... until anything changes. I've got a couple of things on that. Actually, one thing yeah, I wanted yeah. to say was, first of all, I made this point a couple of years ago, actually, when there was the first renewed set of attacks on video games, which was, mm. I, I made the point cause I remember there was a BBC piece along these lines. And I said, like, not only are these people attacking us, basically the enemies of esports. I hope people remember when these companies 10 years from now want to get in on the fucking what they think is the ground floor of when esports becomes legit to them. And they'll all suddenly change their tune overnight. But I also made the point, it shows you that esports is nowhere close to as big as people think. Because if it was big enough, then just like the gun lobby, there would be something like that in America for video games. Like, it's very telling to me that yeah, all I, these I massive sports orgs have just bought into the Overwatch League and the LCS and they're going to buy in the Call of Duty World League. None of those guys have spoken up and said anything. Like, you know what? Uh, everyone, everyone's favorite, like Rick Fox, fucking the guy who owns the Patriots. Like, if these people all banded together, by the way, better than even just doing it individually, if they all banded together and came forwards, like, you know what? This isn't something that we think is this way. It's a legitimate industry and it's a legitimate field. And, you know, we have sympathies to the families of people killed and we hope that reasons, for, you know, if they if they made a very professional front on it, they could do a lot in terms of changing social perceptions, stigmas, maybe even, as I say, directly politically lobby these people, pay well, for it to be done. But I don't, for whatever yeah. reason, there's not a lot of that going on, it feels like. I, I said, I said, you, you'll know when esports has arrived in the mainstream because you will have political lobbyists. You know, the end. It just like, goes with that. every big but, industry. Uh, yeah, and, and until until we get that, we're not going to have any leverage. Now, what's interesting is it's funny you bring up uh, Robert Kraft uh, because obviously him and Trump are friends. They're quite pally, right? So, you know, I, I actually have some hope that because of Robert Kraft, he's been going to BlizzCon before he even bought into the Overwatch League. All right. Uh, knows Bobby Kotick. Um, has followed the industry and obviously is, again, you know, considered, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's, a Republican in some ways, yes, I think so. You know, personal friend of uh, Donald Trump, and uh, obviously a very wealthy and successful. The trick to man. tell him, by the way, for anyone out there, if someone's Republican or conservative in the U.S., is if they just don't <laughs> tell you about their politics all the time. That just, that's actually the clue. If you haven't noticed, guys, yeah. again, it's, it's what they don't say that tells you. <laughs> um, but but anyway, I mean, you know, I, I, for for example, if if there was to be ever any laws introduced, because let's not forget that you know, even Overwatch ostensibly is a shooting game it's very sure. cartoony and abstract yeah. right but it but you know if we're talking about fortnite you know a game where i can i can destroy a building with a fucking ghetto blaster i can throw a glitter ball on the floor and force you to fucking dance while i shoot you like you know it's so far removed from real life violence and yet they're focusing on fortnite because whatever the most popular holy shit game they really is. went with the fortnite angle i thought it would just be like cs and stuff because at least no, you can tie no, that in no, awkwardly no. holy shit fortnite that's about what's funny is richard that, the reason why that's interesting is that was always the thing that some of the older school people in these spots said they were like why don't we just change the name it's Instead of being Counter-Strike, why not just make it like teams and then one team yep. just attacks it? And I always said to them, mate, this is not like they're not, they're not doing this in good faith. Like they're not mm. going to agree with you. They're just going to say, well, whatever you do doing next, still violence. And so, so the idea obviously was like Splatoon's the best example, right? It's a shooter, but you just shoot people with like little water pistols or something and it's flowers or whatever. But mm. I'm I, like, like I, I never actually thought it would happen, but... I would have thought there might be something in that, but if, if they're going to attack Fortnite, there's nothing in it, right? Basically, you can't have anything in the game. Well, what they always do, it's a gun, the it's a gun to them, is, right? yeah, be, right, because they, you, you know, everything they do, 
has this agenda of generate as much outrage, get as many eyes on it, but also make it relatable to the people that are likely to be sympathetic with your opinion. So you must always choose the most popular thing to attack. Right. Uh, so when it, when it's video games, it's always the most popular game they go after. That Remember reminds when... me, they actually have done articles, Richard, where they tied in school shootings to StarCraft Two. And I remember yeah. thinking, what yeah. possible fucking even thematic link could there be between like a futuristic like like that was what you're yeah. right. I guess they just picked it when it was the biggest game. Always, it's it's the modus operandi for anything. Whoever's the most popular musician, whoever you know, whatever the most popular game is, and it's a very it's a very deliberate psychological tool because what it does is it, it first. It, oh, I've heard of that. Now I'm interested. That's point one. Point two. Uh, because it's popular, if if I say something is wrong with it, well, it's an epidemic now. So now the language can become more hyperbolic. It's affecting more people. It's the most played video game. They deliberately, you know, Eminem's the biggest selling hip hop artist. And look at what he's saying. Marilyn Manson, the biggest rock star. What's he saying to the kids? Did he cause Columbine? They never take a small artist who's saying and doing something controversial because how, then you go, well, I've never heard of him. So and so, how, how bad can it actually be? How many people, you know, you start asking these questions. No, I must absolutely sell you that the most popular thing at any given time is bad and toxic in some way. I have to do that as the mainstream media, right? And, and, and as I said, it, it it creates a more broad concern, but it also means you're more likely to have heard of it, and therefore you're more likely to engage with the content. Standard mass, you know, st standard mass media psychological manipulation. They, they, they do it all the time. So yeah, they go after Fortnite because Fortnite's unquestionably the most popular video game on the planet right now. But at various points, you know, they've done it with League of Legends, they've done it with StarCraft. Back when Call of Duty Modern Warfare came out and it had that uh, famous no Russian level yes. where you killed the civilians in the airport um as a false flag operation to to incite a war that was that caused an apoplexy in the uk <laughs> the irony so, of course being you could actually make the case that they were making a very salient point about the way that western governments might operate well, we don't want to talk about foreign policy duncan we want to talk about violence in video games we don't want to talk about anything that we actually do wrong that we might want to sit down as a society and meditate upon Let's talk about this video game, right? So, you know, that that caused such an apoplexy to the point where there was regular stories in the UK saying Call of Duty was a terrorist training tool. Think about that, just as a premise. It'd be great if ISIS were fucking You'd need training some fucking using evidence Call of Duty. We, we, like they, well. they, they wouldn't really be a threat at all. There's nothing analogous to firing a gun in no, a video no. game and firing a gun in real life. There's nothing analogous to to aiming with a mouse. I know everyone thinks that. Everyone imagines that with my hand-eye coordination was good. Here's the thing, right? I'll tell you this. When I went and did clear pigeon shooting, yeah, it did seem like my hand-eye coordination was better than most people who hadn't played games much. But when I've actually been and fired real guns... I would have never even been able to hit a single shot, Richard. Like, just to kick back a load, I'd have had oh, no yeah. clue control. Yeah, like, the idea that I could have taken surprise. a weapon out of CS and in any way control, in no way, and obviously I would not be prepared for the real violence, complex consequences, seeing all the blood. Like, there's, it, it's so far removed. They, they, they try to make it sound like the video game's like a 90% simulacrum of the experience. No, it's about a 0.1%. Uh, you've, you got wanna, all, you've got your whole uh, work ahead of you to actually be able to uh, do And you want to know what's crazy, what they don't talk about? I wrote an article about it uh, many, many years ago. I want to say 2011. Here's what they don't tell you about, right? When the military uses video games as recruitment tools, 
Oh, they don't talk about that. They America's Army? About... Classic yeah, example, well, right? so that's the US one. America's Army, a game literally designed to indoctrinate you to join the armed forces. Uh, but in Sweden, they even do this. In Sweden, if you go to DreamHack, I don't know if it's true now. It was true in my day. The Swedish military would be there, and they would have actual tank controls and artillery controls the ones they actually use in the things set up like an xbox controller which they actually use because video game players are more likely to have the cognitive ability to right. use them correctly and they were like hey come and test your shot with this real artillery on a simulator and see if you can blow up a terrorist fucking foxhole on the other side you know get the trajectory right and people were doing it, and then the guys would be like, hey, you're real good at this. Maybe you should sign up to the military. It's like, no one says that's bad, right? I mean, no one, where's the outrage about that? You know, there isn't any. So, oh, no, that's, the video games are terrorist training tools. Oh, it looks like, it looks like you're trying to use, use that premise to, to, to indoctrinate people to join the actual armed forces. Nothing to see here, folks. No, 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 no. They're just video games. It's just a bit of fun. You know, it's like they, they always want to have their cake and eat it. Always. Um, so, um, and, and yeah, you go look it up. I, I, I can probably dig the article out and tweet out about it. I think it was called bang bangs for real. And that was because, um, I was living with a guy at the time who had a kid and, uh, uh this guy was a, a counter-strike player, a pro counter-strike player. And, uh, his kid was watching him play. And of course, like all kids without a concept of what was going on, he was like saying, oh, you know, when I grow up, I want to shoot bang bangs for real. And of course the military, they love that idea that you want to go out and shoot bang bangs for real. Thank God. Hey, it's even better if you live in a poor town where you have no job prospects, because then we can come in our impressive uniforms and basically dupe you into signing a minimum of three years of your life away. And of course, in sometimes your actual life away. And by the way, don't worry about it. We'll tell you you're going to learn a trade. And when you get out the military, best you can hope for is maybe a security guard. That's if you haven't been mangled beyond all recognition by a car bomb or a landmine or friendly fire, which, you know, we again, we don't talk about blue on blue so it's totally fine to use video games to put you in that life-threatening situation because that serves the military industrial complex playing fortnite though dangerous there's no crossover for that there's no crossover for that so um you know so yeah of course they went after fortnite of course they did uh, because it's the gateway now. It's the gateway, and, and it'll be another game in, in, in a year. It's always that mechanism, you're right, as yeah. well. Like one one yeah. other thing I want to say, by the way, and this is something that, to be fair, like anyone who knows the field I'm talking about, this is a pretty well-trodden point, but some people might not, might not have considered it, which is I even think another factor, if you want to talk about things in people's environments that might radicalize them, which is already a term that's a mega tenuous term anyway, because as I say, we're all sort of getting more extreme opinions and, and perceptions based on the, the media we're overloading ourselves. But one area I do think for society has had an impact over the last 15 years or so is, like you said before, the average life of a person, which by definition was mediocre. It was just you go out there, you have a job you don't want, but it's not the worst job. It's all right. You just clock in for your eight hours. You come home. You know what? You haven't got loads of money from it, so you haven't got loads of options of what to do. But you know what? You've got a computer. You've got video games. You've got a few mm -hmm. movies you can watch. You can go out down the pub for a bit. The idea is the worst thing about your life is it's mediocre. But in a sense, that's also, in a weird way, almost the best thing. Like, you've got an all right life. You know, you haven't got the yeah. worst one. You've got an okay yeah. one. The, what made that life tolerable, in certain cases even enjoyable, was the fact that when you did have the time off to watch a movie, to play a game, to read a book, 
you were free to just do whatever you wanted within that context that you read any book you want. You could watch a movie on any concept you wanted. You could play a game in which you could do everything you can't do in real life. You could go and be the pilot of a ship in a space fleet. You could go into a parallel universe and fight monsters. You could have a game that represented something from our world, a different period of time, or even our time. You could be in our time and be a soldier or something. And the problem is that was a fucking brilliant getaway for a lot of people who had a shit real life. Of course. And now... Even that has been fucking like that is now claimed territory, manifest destiny for the fucking culture war. And you can't escape anywhere, even inside your video game. So eventually you just want to feel like fucking that is no escape. Can I not just take five minutes well, out? There's nowhere to go. Yeah, I mean, like escape. I, I think a lot of people are normal people have that feeling of like fucking. No, hell, that, 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 that is a that is a big part of it, right? Like that that escapism. Escapism's kind of been um, uh, stigmatized, right? In 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 the sense that if if like all content must be making some form of broad political statement, you know, like the semiology has to be on point. Which I feel like most people would ask for the opposite as the standard. Like like, yes. listen, I would even say generally. Listen, mate, I don't care what someone's politics are. As long as they don't tell me them, make whatever game you want, mate. If the game's good, I'll play it no matter who you are. But if you stack it with all the shit I hate, you obviously, I can't, it's going to be hard and, to explicate. And, and this isn't to say, like, I don't mind if you, like, I, I hate when people go, oh, don't put politics in the games. It's well, like, you can do it, but that, no, but, no, but it's, it's, a, stu it's a stupid it. point because almost certainly, you know, what, like, for example, when you talk about Call of Duty, it's it, sure, on the oh, one of hand. Of course, it's going to be political, uh, yeah. Yeah, on the one hand, you can just review it as kind of like a, a, a popcorn shooter, you know, bang, bang, explosions, Michael Bay equivalent. But on the other hand, you know, very often there is like some sort of broader storyline, you know, in the single player campaign. Um, and it takes place at a backdrop of what is ostensibly American militarist foreign policy. There's no getting away from that, right? Um, a lot of developers these days are squeamish and they're going, oh, there's nothing political about a game that when they're, you know, are very obviously broadly political. And I think it's a really stupid point. I think the idea to say that, sure. like, don't put politics in into art if, if you subscribe to that as a philosophy, I, I think it, it's dumb. But that's not what I'm talking about. You can still have political content in the game and still be allowed to enjoy the escapist elements to it. You know, for example... I'll give you a great the, example. My, my favorite would be the Metal Gear Solid series. Absolutely. Right, I don't even yeah. necessarily agree with some of the politics, but yeah. it does a great job with the story of it, doesn't it? It's, it, has a, mm. it serves a purpose. Exactly. Uh, nothing like a 45-minute-long cutscene in the middle of a game. Some of them are good, though, I have to say. Some of them are worth oh, yeah, watching yeah, on YouTube alone. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but, you know, so you have you have stuff like that. But in the, And again, you enjoy the escapist element of it. It's telling you a story. It's got political elements, but it's the escapism. But now, you know, what, what, it, what we need to do is it's like we need to impart something which used to be a retreat from consciousness into an, as kind of an alternate consciousness, if you want. We now need to link the two because nothing can exist without having some real world connection to anchor you to because shit is too important now escapism is dangerous actually if you think about it because you know when the world is ending every day you, how dare you retreat from that reality how dare you be like a conscientious objector by retreating into a fantasy world so what they do is boom let's fucking let's let's really amp it up let's make everything analogous to to the here and now to the to the zeitgeist boom it ha you have to be engaging with it at all times you can't watch a movie 
What are you doing? What, you want to get away from it for two hours? Don't you know what's happening outside? So no, we've got to put stuff in there that constantly brings you back to reality, like a hypnotist clicking its fingers. And listen, I'm all for an educated and enlightened and whatever the fuck you want to call it, uh, you know, population where people are more mindful of stuff. But real talk, like there has to be a, a place to get away from it because it's not healthy. It's not healthy to be dwelling on it all the fucking time, especially if you really believe it's as bad as what they tell you, which it isn't. But if you do believe that, if you've been if you've been seduced by that premise, then imagine never being able to get away from it. It's there constantly. You're in the shower thinking about it. You're watching a TV show and they're constantly winking and signaling to you about it. You put, you read a book, you pick up the papers. Where do you go? Where do you run to if you want to get away from that shit? Well, it turns out nowhere. So it's no wonder to me that people are going fucking insane. It, like, it, it, just think about it. it. It's ridiculous. It's like, you know, again, everyone uses 1984 as an example, but you know how they have the, the fucking screens in your room with, sure. with a camera in and they're just, you know, and it's just like that you don't get away from it. You, you can't commit thought crime. Thought crime right now is just baseless escapism. You're not allowed to do it. You must, you must constantly engage with this very important culture war that we're fighting right now, which the majority of the planet does not give a fuck about. And it's, it's informing all the art we consume, um, and it's informing uh, video games, and it's informing these stupid debates about video games. Um, you know, I, I think just to, to put a pin in this, um, just to come back to it, I, I, I think, you know, we're, we're, we're going to hit a point where Fortnite's being talked about right now. Uh, you can probably expect with the major coming, uh, I think you can expect, if I was a guessing man, because of the proximity to the shootings um, and, 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 and it being uh, held in Germany, I think we get the. I think we it's get already a bad sentiment, unfortunately. I think we get the Counter Strike hit piece that we've all been anticipating for a while. I think this is the year where that we start to kind of analyze. You know, you've got groups of people running around planting bombs. Some of these targets uh, where you plant the bomb, you know, like for for example, they'll get it wrong because they won't research what they're talking about. And they'll say, there's a map called CS Office. There we go. Well, how Obviously. many people have gone into an office and committed a mass shooting? How yeah. many people have gone postal? You know, they went after that game back in the day. So I think, I think what'll have, they'll get it wrong, of course, and say, like, imagine planting a bomb in an office. And it's like, it's not a defuse map, but they won't know the difference. So you, we're, we're gonna get that. There's no way the game can be allowed to exist in the current climate as is. I think Valve are anticipating it. I, I, I think we've started, I, we, we're going to move more towards it being a law enforcement angle. It's interesting, isn't it? When it's a terrorist group and a counter-terrorist group, everyone goes, fuck terrorists. If it's a drug cartel in the FBI, exactly. everyone's just like, oh, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shoot, drug dealers shooting people. That's just Friday. You know what I mean? Terrorists, though. Oh, God, you might be radicalizing people. Don't they have ideologies? I mean, you know, drug dealers do too, right? Their ideology is fuck the system, sure. sell the drugs, make the money, kill the people. But okay, I guess because it's not politically indoctrinated or framed, fuck that, right? So so eventually, I, I, I've, said, I've said it for a while, um, we're, we're going to see broad changes to the themes of Counter-Strike. And I think, I think, we're, I think there's going to be some pressure applied to it for that. 
because I saw the usual raft of you know stuff that came off the back of the Fortnite World Cup. Why were there no girls playing in it? Which which actually wasn't true. Uh, but, My favorite know, one about that as well, research. by the way, is it, of all the games to say that of, you're talking about a game where one of my first criticisms of the game would be it had open online qualifiers for everyone in the entire world to take part in. That would be my first knock against yeah, it as an eSport. So the idea that there weren't any girls to play, I can tell you there's an obvious reason there, mate. They didn't qualify. That's it. Like, yeah. it, the only way that would be a scandal, I've made this point in the past, no one picks up on it. The only scandal would be that someone would have had to have qualified as a girl, and then they said, what, you're a girl? You don't yeah, get if they're excluded. Now, if exactly. you can show me that, you've proved it. You've, you've nailed the story. That's never, ever happened as far as I know. So it, it was already a bonk angle to go yeah. with, wasn't it? Yeah, so, so we had that in The Guardian. Um, and then, oh, yeah, yeah, a classic. <laughs> uh, man who occasionally writes about video games. <laughs> Uh, you know, in a sweater, decides to fix the video game industry uh, entirely uh, from its r rampant sexism that probably is imagined, but they wouldn't know either way, even if it was true, because they don't really swim in those circles. Uh, but anyway, so so we had that. Then we had the video game violence debate because of the shootings. And now I feel we're just a little bit too close to that. And Counter-Strike is, it's, it's, it's the final fig leaf. In fact, actually... Uh, not entirely true because you probably missed this one as well. But you see, I, I'm I've got the sickness. I I mire myself in this shit. I can't get away from it. I'm I'm done for. Um, uh, did you see the article about Call of Duty? Um, saying uh, because you know the kill streaks, right? Uh, so one of the kill streaks was that you can drop white phosphorus on your enemies, which of course is against the Geneva uh, Convention. I think they don't use. I believe it's against. It's, it's like a human rights violation. Yeah, if you do yeah. It. They don't use Willy Pete anymore. There's a certain right? country around the Middle East that tends to use that. That <laughs> you, know, you often yes. see these stories about. Yeah. Believe it or not, yeah, what, you can't, you can't even mention that one by name now. So. Yeah, you can't. You, How long you can't, before we're just doing this show with like ten levels of abstraction? <laughs> I, I can't wait, actually. I think that's better for all of us. <laughs> it might help us all, actually. But but anyway, why, yeah, so Willie Pete is banned. You're not allowed to be dropping that on people, right? Uh, I must have missed civilians having mad access to that. Like, <laughs> well, no, but here's the thing. So so uh, <laughs> there, was, there was at least three articles I saw, maybe more, um, because I was compiling it for a show that I never did with Sam. Um, but basically where it was saying, should video games let you commit human rights violations? Uh, which costs Are they aware some, of, like, like civilization, you know, like all these no, no, it, Yeah, I know. But this is what I'm saying. It's like, just think about this as a premise, right? No, but actually there's a movement now as well. Um, it, you know, of all the games to go after, I think Stellaris had a hit piece wrote about it. It might it's have been basically like a space version of Yeah, for those who don't know, it's, it's one of the paradox games set in, you know, outer space in the future uh, because it allows you to have slaves. Alien slaves, of course, from non-existent species in a non-existent universe. But uh, they, they said, should games allow you to enslave people now? So that's another thing that they're pushing back on that. Um, but anyway, but yeah, they, they, Call, Call of Duty, um, basically, uh, they were saying this game allows you to commit human rights violations, and this is a disgrace. It's no wonder gamers are like evil and violent. When, when it's a literal reward in a video game to commit a human rights violation, is if anybody <laughs> playing Call of Duty is thinking, I I can't wait to drop white phosphorus on some motherfuckers in real life, you know what I mean? And and they, the guy wrote that and then went on Twitter to argue that point and then did the classic of, oh no, angry gamer bros in my mentions. <laughs> Look here for you, I have a mute button. And it's like, this is the most pathetic shit I've ever seen. Like, You know, I told you before, yeah. it's yeah, very interesting. Yeah. 
how the same people who totally accept the premise, seemingly unquestionably, that people are radicalized by the media they consume, don't then think, for example, what about the mainstream media they consume? In similar fashion, right? If the art you consume, and especially in your hobby and pastime, and that you ruminate over the themes of, affects who you are as a person, tell you what, I've got a lot of arrests of really rich and powerful people in America. We can make when we go look at their art collection, boys. There's some fucking outrageous shit in there. But guess what? I personally wouldn't be in favor of that, even though actually some of it's a bit fucking suspect. Just because, again, the premise is it could just be art, couldn't it? It could just be art. You'd never, you'd never see that story, Richard, because... Listen, I've, I've cleverly hidden this one with like some no, layers no, in sure. there but yeah. people can guess think about some of the depravity that like rich people are into just think of the art world and how decadent it's become and how absolutely degenerate the general themes are well by the same logic how's that not affecting us all if art and, and media is literally changing our perceptions of what's right and wrong how is stuff like that okay but of course it is because who the fuck's going to write the article in the guardian like should we get rid of all the stuff that rich people like no that'll never be the topic will it no um so so I, I again back to the point i i think i think it's going to be counter-strike's turn um it we actually haven't really had that much problems like it's weird that they haven't latched on the with last that much, isn't it? the last big one was um there was that american asian school shooter dude who was a counter-strike player i think um and he used the guns that were in counter-strike quite purposefully apparently um, oh i remember the one, this the, guy the, yes. yeah the one believe... to that that yeah. was a long time ago. So there was that, and then there was the time somebody made like CS school. There's been a bunch of stories yeah, of like the like person a made a map of their school, which, yeah. which actually sadly the Virginia Tech shoot. Yes, that, that was it. the famous one. Sadly, the the one that's the one that always tilts me, Richard, because that one isn't even necessarily that they did a crime. It's just that they made a map of a real area, and then mm -hmm. the implication is therefore they'd want to kill. Which like mm -hmm. I've, I feel like that's a very disingenuous theme. Yeah, I you know it it it's a tough one. I mean, me. by the I, same logic, I'll use the same logic again. People have literally done f paintings of them wanting to behead Donald Trump. Jim Carrey should be in prison by that logic, Richard. Like, think about oh, the sure, shit sure, sure. this art. Now, sure. I wouldn't want him in prison, of course. It's just a bloody painting, isn't it? But like the idea that by doing it, you're implying you'd want to, like the implication yeah. should apply to him logically. Yeah, yeah, I I get it. Um, you know, I I generally think when people do shit like that, like they are just trying to be like needlessly inflammatory. It makes me like less sympathetic when I know somebody's just trying to push buttons. You know what I mean? Oh, but obviously, I I'd never I wouldn't censor them or or, sure. or even imply that they're going to be really violent. But I I do think they're pathetic. You know what I mean? Like so so. But anyway, so yeah, I I think it's going to roll around for Counter Strike because the mage is going to be there and it's going to blow up and right now we've got this debate going on it's on fox and trust me you know i'm sure there's a lot of the people who like have been researching fortnite for all the big media networks that probably don't know what counter-strike is and all of a sudden when we've got this big event that's going to get like a million Mate, viewers their, dis their desk's going to raise up two inches oh, when they no. find out that there's an actual yeah. game based on terrorism and you can play the terrorism that's yeah. just going to be that's going to oh be yeah yeah and then they're going to be like, wait, you, you can shoot them and plant bombs. Did I just see oh, a bomb planet? They'll be like that picture yeah. of Nico where his eyes are just rolled back in his head. Like he's yeah, yeah, he's just yes, master. Out. Use yeah. me, master. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I'm telling you, dude, like, for real, it's going like, wait, the game says terrorists win. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Well, anyway, let's not judge the game too harshly. What if this is some of these terrorists? Yeah, it's, it's... <laughs> <laughs> is there any way we could change that to freedom fighters? So, um, yeah, it's gonna be, um, it's you know, I think it's coming, 
the bottom line is like you know in all of this because we're at the halfway point of the show and even though there's fuck all yeah, yeah. we'll, we'll start talking about it we gotta we gotta talk <laughs> about the cold zero stuff um you know but but it it's it, it, it's a stupid played out debate but it's a stupid played out debate that's going to keep coming up because it's you know we we have to scapegoat stuff like we can't be seen not to talk about it you know the the violence the shootings the problems we can't ignore them but equally we cannot fix them <laughs> and as you said earlier complex to actually address what seem like the most obvious real world things that are affecting all of us is essentially to argue against the very premise of the status quo that all of these companies heavily rely upon in order to do their business so they're never going to have the honest discussion neither is any politician neither quite frankly is any parent because they don't want to look at the idea of what they might be doing with how they've set up their family life and the entertainment their kids consume like they don't want to do that so if they can just blame i told you you shouldn't be playing that violent game and like it's the easy way out for everyone isn't it that's the sad thing a lot of the media discussions we have now aren't discussions it's just let's all explain why we're not to blame and it's someone else to, it's such a shit discussion to have isn't it you go yeah. nowhere with it yeah, just exactly. spin your wheels endlessly until now, the next I'll... person tragically dies sadly yeah and then be rinse and repeat right you know what i mean it's just it's it's just the, the circle and then it, when it's not video games when video games are accepted it'll be something else it'll be something else you know what i mean it it, it just is what it is it's it's just media spin and bullshit um got to keep the lights on i guess so while we're talking about shit discussions and fucking crazy things to say and also the media called zera did an interview I love this. I fucking love this story. It's so good. Oh, man, it is. It is. Because this is... What I just want to let people know before you hear some of the things Cold Zero talked about is... Yeah. These are pro players. Like, Cold Zero isn't some unicorn outlier. Like, in fact, I'll even tell you... I, what's weird is if I had to pick top 10 pros that are cool to talk to an after party, Cold Zero makes the list instantly. This is a guy who's actually like pretty cool guy. He's pretty good, decent sense of humor. But what you're seeing here is what happens when someone who doesn't know the public's perception of what a pro is like just actually mm. tells you the truth of what he really thinks, what he thinks about yeah. his opponent, what he thinks about his ex-teammate, what he thinks about the future. And what happens is when he doesn't understand the tact and the filter that most people are applying, he comes off looking like some ridiculous monster, but he really isn't. He's just actually a pretty run-of-the-mill pro, a little bit more intense, has a little bit of that Michael Jordan and you know, always a bit of an arsehole, but in a way that you could totally see helping his own career, his own individual success so mm. it's funny because when we talk about all this people i saw they were overreacting like motherfuckers on reddit oh of course well i mean i remember i remember does, just right? reading it and thinking listen it's this is great banter machine. and there's a lot of fun stuff we can discuss it but are people really going that harsh on cold zero the person like there's a lot of pros could do this if, if they let their mask slip well it, it's also that uh you know contradiction isn't it where everyone's like Oh, hey, our scene's great because we're allowed trash talk. Um, wow, wouldn't it be great if more players gave their unfiltered thoughts and opinions about things? Wait, he's giving his unfiltered opinion and thoughts about things? Fucking ban him, burn him, get rid of him. Like, it's, it, it's ridiculous. It's just people are just morons. And, you, and, and they, 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 they get the thing they say they want, 
and then act outraged about it. It's like going into a restaurant and going, I would love a plate of shit. And the fucking waiter's just like, are you sure, sir? Shit on a plate. Are you sure? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Shit on a plate and bring it to me. I know what I want. And the waiter fucking serves it up. This stinks. Oh, my God. This is It's shit on a plate, guys. Like, what the fuck? And then the next year, they're like, should we pass by Shitarama? I feel like I've got See if you've got anything new on the menu. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and then once they put in the complaint and feel good about themselves, they go across from Shitarama to Shit Tsarus, you know, or fucking turd, turd munchers down the road and repeat the cycle because people are fucking dumb. And that's just what we're stuck with. So... Um, you know, and again, like you see this in restaurants all the time. You know, how me me haven't had a thousand jobs and worked in restaurants. The amount of times like people would say, "I would like my steak medium," and they get it. Wait, it's pink in the middle. What do you think fucking medium means, you mad cunt? Like, <laughs> no, I want it properly cooked. Like, get yeah, me like, out. No, like out. legit. Like that, that is anybody who's like worked anybody who's worked as a waiter or in a kitchen right now knows exactly what I'm talking about. Put it in the chat. That is one of the most common experiences if you work in a restaurant and it's. <laughs> Sticks. Yeah, they want to sound sophisticated, so they go, oh, I'll yeah. take it uh, me medium rare, please, because that's how you're supposed to have a steak. So you you do it, right? Like everyone's, yeah, see massive true in the chat, right? So you, you fucking do it, and then it's like, oh, it's pink, and it's a little bit of blood on the plate, which, by the way, it's not actually blood, but we won't get into Obviously. that. Obviously. Right? There's other people blood left at that point. Right? I don't know. Right? Yeah, and, 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 and they go, <laughs> yeah. and, and they go, people this, 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 this steak isn't cooked. This steak is good. You expect me to eat this? No, I want it. And it's like, you asked for it fucking medium rare. Whoever came up with medium that concept, rare doesn't mean pink in the middle. <laughs> fucking came gosh, up, you silly cunt. Whoever came up with that concept of the NPC, it's actually a joke I'd made years before, so I know it's just parallel thinking. Because my joke used to be that the fucking non-player characters are shit in this video game. It's like, that is the best premise ever, because you just see the same opinions in it from different people. Yeah. You're like, oh, have you got the same shit opinion that guy had? Like, what? Yeah, it's ridiculous. It used to happen to me like, you know, once a night, probably when I was working as a waiter, like some guy trying to be flash in front of his bird asks for a medium rare steak to sound like a fucking aristocrat because he's living out a fucking fantasy when really he's some fucking twat office worker called Clive. But for fucking four hours a night, he wants to be a fucking big man and pretend he's got money in the bank and take his bird out for a fucking steak. Yeah, and Clive's there. Oh, I'll have my steak medium rare, of course. And then like you serve it up to him and then clive of course also wanted to be a big fucking man yeah yeah ha has to complain about how the steaks go i know my steaks sir and that is not a medium rare steak that's fucking raw and you have to take it back and then you have to recook it and then he goes did you just put the same steak back in the pan and yeah that's what you want you yeah. want us to cook like 50 fucking steaks till it hits the fucking shade of pink you deem edible you silly cunt and yeah they do they haven't got a fucking clue. Honestly, people are just fucking morons. So it doesn't surprise me with fucking uh, Reddit that it's like, oh, I'd, I'd love to just get a pro's unfiltered opinions. And then it's like, wait, he, he said Showtime is shit. Objectively true. Uh, by man, the that way. was the one that triggered me the hardest. How when they were like, dare you? have to say it to him, though. It's like, <laughs> Give me right. a break. Wasn't he the one where they lost 16-0? They brought yeah, him in. Yeah. They were the major champions. They lost 16-0.
So look, I, I, I want to preface it by saying all of that, right? But I also do want to add, like, there's no getting away from the fact that some of the stuff Cold Zero has done. He's he's massively got away with, with stuff in the eyes of the community, and he's done some very cuntish things. Oh, of course. Um, you know, got away with using ho a homophobic slur to some kid who just told him to play a little bit better or something. I know it's the same fans who always bring up my tweet, never bring up that tweet. Yeah, no, of course not, right? Uh, uh, you know, was was instrumental in the Hiko beef. Um, also on top of that, uh, you know, the, the stuff with Showtime was really disgraceful. Like we all knew he it. definitely did him dirty when he's just Mate, the did him out. fucking dirty. He did him like fucking Epstein. Like he was fucking unreal. Like, <laughs> he, he, you know what I mean? Like fucking, we all saw him play bad. We all saw you get 16 would We all know what's going on. We all know he doesn't have a fucking future, but what you're going to go on Twitter as what is the best player in the world at that time and go. I can't even win a game because my teammates are fucking shit noobs, like, brother. So, so I mean, like, I, I think Cold Zero has, like, had a pretty good run with the community in general, given all the shit he's done. And the Showtime stuff was just disgraceful from a professional perspective, right? So the, um, you know, the, the situation to kind of, like, repackage it. So I'll just read you some of the points that came up. When asked who the worst player he ever played with was, he he just went, it like, it was like, before he even, showtime, <laughs> it's showtime. And then he, he, he talked about uh, how, you know, they only picked him because he was, like, in the U.S., um, that he uh, gave up all of his original roles because they felt like, because of the d disparity in skill, that would be better for him. Um, that uh, he got annoyed because Showtime was playing other games like Battlefield, uh, which Showtime came out on Twitter and denied. I mean, like, to go into this level of depth to wreck this guy, he's already on the road. He never even was real really life. in the team for fuck's sake. He was just doing it temporarily. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it was like... So this part of the interview, the Showtime stuff, I thought was outrageous. And then I love how right I used to work with this guy in a call center in uh, in Newcastle, right? And uh, he used to end every story about a conflict. He'd come in after the weekend, and you'd sit down, and he'd be like, oh, "Fucking hell, man! You never guess what happened to me on the weekend, Lake." And he'd be like, "What's that, Vince?" And he would, say, <laughs> he wasn't, he wasn't Vince, but he would, but he would say, oh, this fucking guy, he was mortal, right? He was fucking mortal drunk and he would try to fucking fight me. Like, well, I just fucking turned around and I broke his fucking jaw. <laughs> oh, yeah, every, yeah, yeah, every story. Like, how many jaws this motherfucker yeah, every, every story, every story ended. So yeah, I, I mean, broke his fucking jaw. He had, he had a catchphrase. He's just a catchphrase in the corner. He was just mangling mandibles all day long. <laughs> it, was it was unreal. It was, like, I, I, Excuse me, sir, I, uh, you can't pack it. Well, it got to a point where when he'd be telling the story again, I'd, I'd you go, just waiting for the jaw. No, yeah, go, so anyway, this cunt was fucking getting all up in my face. You never fucking guess what? I said, did you break his jaw? He went, fucking right, that did, like. You know, so even, even I, like, even I had, had to adopt the catchphrase. And so then he got a new catchphrase. Fucking right, that did, like. So, oh, anyway, so, so, so anyway, oh. Cold Zero is doing this because every time he has a fucking tells a story about a player, he always goes, 
And then I found him crying, <laughs> you know? And then oh, I broke his tear ducts. <laughs> and then I broke his tear ducts, like, right? Because he says about Showtime that he, like, he found Showtime. He feels bad about all the criticism of Showtime because he found Showtime, like, just in a room, sad and crying. Sure. And then he said this stuff about fucking Device that he went up into a club and, like, said that he thought he was arrogant. And Device just started crying. Right. The most unlikely story. Like, I'm going to call absolute bullshit on that. And it's just like, fucking, you know what I mean? Like, so they're, oh, what happened? Next call day, really fucking cried, like, like fucking come on, mate. <laughs> Obviously, you didn't break his jaw. This is ridiculous. Like, you can't break that many jaws, and not every pro is just gonna start crying because called zero, like, said something to them. So I, like, I, don't know, I don't know if it got lost in translation or something, but there's no fucking way device no, was no. crying. No way. No, here's the thing first of all, on the device one, I think that's even called zero himself misremembering something that happened to him as in you know that thing like they even said apparently the interesting thing about memory is supposedly when you start remembering like basically whatever you remember this time becomes the memory that you remember the next that's how memory mm. changes over time because you have all these like areas where you, your brain missing the parts that goes i'll just fill in that he was wearing a black shirt right he's yeah. actually wearing a red shirt but then the next time you'll definitely remember he's wearing the black shirt because he said he was wearing a black shirt so now you even remember yourself saying it so you think that's even more correct well the problem with that scenario is if i had to guess i could imagine cold zero who by the way even though i said he's really cool to talk to after parties he doesn't approach you. You're what you have to sort of go to him. A lot of the Brazilians are like this, you know, and kind of except for like the yeah, really kind of aloof, yeah. yeah. But the idea that's that's why I made that tweet. The point I was trying to make to people was that's just the initial perception of them. Once you break through that and you get to know them, they're pretty cool guys, but you kind of have to like or you have to offer the olive branch first, right? Well, yeah. in this scenario, if called zero of out of nowhere just comes up to you, that's already weird. Then he comes up to you, starts berating you about the fact his perception is because you're now number one and he's talked to you in the past at after parties and you haven't talked to him recently enough at an after party that you're now avoiding him because you're arrogant and aloof and he's demanding you have all this conversation at a fucking after party, which I've told people the story before about Nico. I fucking hate two bear heroes who want to chew your ear oh, off about yeah, the game yeah, yeah. in a setting where we're explicitly not in the game. It's like the thing before about escapism. I'm here to have a Tequila shot and talk and have some fun. Not talk about fucking Counter Strike, the thing I just did for 14 hours. So the idea that, like, I am, I could totally believe in that scenario. Device was really uncomfortable, maybe looked like he wanted to cry and just thought, and just probably fobbed Cold Zero off, like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't want to talk. And then just tried to leave. And then in Cold Zero's mind, he's like, he was bloody practically crying. And then the story just gets better. And he goes, Yeah, you tell you what, he was crying. Next thing you know, he was on my bloody arms like an infant. And I was slapping his back, telling him it'll be all right, son. And then I broke his fucking jaw. <laughs> right? It's just ridiculous. Like, what I don't get right about it is, though, it, it, it's almost like he tells this story like it's a normal occurrence. And by the way... Dude, he said it almost as though he was proud of it. That's the Yeah, no, thing. that's what I mean. It's so fucking it's surreal. It's a horrible story. Yeah, it's so surreal because literally, right? Okay, the story is this, that because Astralis became the number one team, apparently they stopped hanging out with MIPR, probably because they were busy, you know, working and practicing and being the probably number in one bed, team. drinking water and fucking... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're in bed at fucking 10. Zonic's there tucking device in, reading him a fucking story, because that's how you got to roll if you want to be the number one team. Right, anyway, so he goes up to him at, like, some fucking after party in a club or whatever, and says, listen, you're fucking, you never talk to us anymore. You got arrogant because you won the major and you're the number one fucking team. Um, and I don't like your attitude because I'm humble as fuck me. Like, <laughs> and it's like, oh, mate, like this is so like, 
Normal You're treating us like human trash. What do you think we are? Short times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? It's like it's so like you can't even see the contradiction there. Like, like if you're humble, you don't go up and confront somebody about being arrogant and how dare they not talk to you. That's like so weird. So the fact that he tells that story and is quite quite proud of it, and obviously like device came out and said, Well, don't remember crying, but I do fucking remember why I don't talk to you That's, anymore. That line, by the way. Oh yeah, straight fire from device. Straight the way he goes, device, but you have, yeah. it's something like, but you have reminded me why I don't talk to you anymore. That, is, that was amazing. What a fucking oh, mic that was. You, you could say he necked him. Yeah, he did him. Um, but yeah, he, so you know, fucking good on device for you know holding his corner. But like, just again, a weird story to sort of tell um, in an interview where it's like, oh, I'm disappointed with our rival, like our opponents <laughs> because they don't hang out with us they anymore. don't show us enough fealty when they're the best team and it like what by the way this yeah. like i said i alluded to it before as weird as this will sound this isn't surprising it's not even surprising if you know called zero but also yeah. in a weird way this might sound fucked up but it's actually sort of what you should expect because the kind of guy like called zero called zero right is is one of the players Simple's pretty similar, who I actually do think are the closest to that stereotype of the super winner, but the ruthless guy who has to win in sports. Michael Jordan. There's loads of examples in history of these types of people where the idea is fucking Alex Ferguson would be another great example. These are the guys who, within the rules, will do everything to win, and they're so driven to win. But guess what? They despise people on their teams who haven't got the same mentality as them, who won't mm. practice as much as them, don't want to learn from them. You know, so that was an interesting angle of why he was mad at Showtime, was the idea that he expected Showtime to, when he did badly, come and sit behind Cold Zero and le learn at the master's feet, as it were. Which, listen, yep. I'd even say, if you are Showtime, brilliant opportunity if you had it, mate. But the idea that's an expectation of a guy just subbing for your team shows that these guys, unfortunately, are at an intensity level that for a normal person is totally inappropriate. For their job, it's not inappropriate, actually. I'll bet it's one of the driving factors that makes them a great fucking individual player that they didn't accept any bullshit from themselves. But the problem is when you apply that standard to other people, and I'm sorry, a lot of your teammates are going to just be normal people. Like, you're going to be in these scenarios where you're going to come off as a massive arsehole. The difference is, normally you keep it under wraps behind the scenes. Cold Zero made the mistake of thinking he could be honest, which I think he's being honest. But in doing so, he's shown people a little bit of that side of him, unfortunately. But as I say, mate, there's a lot of really great players who have similar mentality. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And look, like, I'll just sort of breeze through all the fucking Brazilians that he calls out uh, during the course of the interview. The saddest part is the obvious underlying, like, set, um, let me think how you'd say it. He feels clearly betrayed by his own team, MIBR. Yeah, and unfortunately, listen, that yeah. is the sentiment that no one bothers picking up on. Is he's doing this interview at a time where I can reveal this, right? So I'm not going to say who it is because I don't do that except for my patrons. But I've done an interview with someone from MIBR and we talk about Cold Zero at the end of it and what the status of his contract. It'll come out very soon. And yeah. it, basically, they say in it, well, actually, it's something misunderstood by the public, which is that it's not that he's definitely gone. Like his buyout is very big. And unless teams are willing to meet that buyout or something around it, we won't sell him. We'll, we'll just keep him as a player. So they make it seem actually like he isn't all but gone. They make it sound the other way, like, okay, we're open to him going, but all the work has yet to be done on the contract, the buyout, and the, finding the right team. So actually, if you if you take that and you apply it to this situation, this is like when the player in a sports team is every day getting the people from the local paper to write that he's unhappy and he needs to go back to somewhere else and he needs to, to try and force a trade. Like, that's what I took from this whole situation. Is What he thought was, right, 
well, they still think maybe I can be convinced to stay if I don't get the right buyout. Tell you what, how about I just piss everyone in this org off, make it clear I don't ever want to play. And what do I have to say, basically, to go over the line? And once I'm over the line, then they're going to want to sell me, right? And just get that. I think I think yeah. some of that is behind well, it. Well, it's not just that, right? I'll, I'll tell you exactly. <clears throat> my, my read on it is that he's already got an offer. Yes. Um, you know, because he said he's had four offers. Um, you know, I noticed in the interview he took time to praise uh, Nico again, uh, saying he's the player he's always dreamed of playing with. Uh, you know, he's so, not too subtle. You know, listen, yeah, he's a great player. So, but he's not. He's not a great thinker in that sense. So, so read into that where you will. But I think clearly he's got his uh, feet under a, a table somewhere. Um, fair enough. Yeah, and listen, and like, and it's also very clear that he has little to no interest in ever playing in a Brazilian lineup again. Yep. Like he he will from now on he'll be playing in European lineups, NA lineups, you know whatever. I actually know from do. some of the top Brazilian players that a lot of them had this sentiment. It's why I'm actually not surprised they went for the whole simple route and then they tried to get everyone who wasn't Brazilian but was a great player basically. Because here's mm. the problem: their group came up and did an amazing job of doing things Brazilian players had never done in terms of professionalism. But first of all, not only did some of them regress and slide back, but the next group that came up. Basically, it was the equivalent of the guy who grafts and becomes new money, and then his kids just piss all the money away. Like the rest of them came up and were just partying and having fun and not be. And so, unfortunately, a lot of them have looked back behind, and rather than being able to go, let's grab this guy and bring him with us, their mm. perception is kind of like, why the fuck do we want to play with it? Let's just play with other players. So, unfortunately, I could see that happening quite a lot now. Like you see, and obviously, the fact that KNG is going to be an MIBR is kind of them saying this is like the last crack at it. The last player yeah. who we even said we'd never recruit. Well, no, this is, how I, this is how I know he's done. Last he, goal, right? he, he went through everybody that's been associated with MIPR and said something bad about them, pretty much. So uh, the, the the bit about Fallen is probably the most astronomically bizarre um, because he, he, he said he gets, uh, like, he doesn't like that people basically say Fallen kind of made him and helped him right. throughout his career. Um, and he says that, uh, as far as he's concerned, they're even because he helped Fallen a lot too, and um, and it, and, and then, <coughs> which is very bizarre, like because f- there's no getting away from it. As good as Cold Zero is, if Fallen doesn't put him in the team at that time, dropping much more established players to bring in Cold Zero, who was a literal unknown at that moment in time, based on a feeling he had. Um, and he took a lot of heat from it. It wasn't a popular move. People were like, Cold Zero who? We all know how history plays out. You know, if Fallen doesn't do that, Cold Zero has no career. Yep. The end. So the fact that he cannot even, he's you know, this super humble guy couldn't say like, oh, me and Fallen have had our differences, but I do owe him a lot is, is strange to me. And he even threw in, just as like a, a factoid, he said, Fallen played for 13 years and didn't achieve anything and never won a major. Then when the, then when they paired up, uh, they, they start winning majors. And he, and he said, I, I won my first major when I'd only been playing for four years. When he um, hadn't been playing for four years. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, he, he, he yeah. Don't, he'd only been playing four years. <coughs> Sorry, I'm reading, I'm reading a translation from the YouTube. Um, I'm just going to change the server. So that's... that's... There we go. Yeah, there we go. Okay. Yeah, okay. Sorry, I was robot. So yeah. So basically, you know, to to say that oh, Fallen didn't achieve much when he was he was that was be, not because of him. 
That's like, a rage statement. Re- yeah, it was widely regarded that actually every lineup Fallen was in, he got great value from back in 1.6, back when he played Source briefly. Yeah, um, we can all play that game. All right, Coltera. Did I miss something, mate? Did you not play half of 2018 with a lineup that had five major winners in it and accomplished sweet fuck all, except I think like yeah. one top four? Maybe you made one big final. That's about it. Like, you did aside from like, that, put, 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 put it this way. I'll I, I've been on the on the on this podcast, we've criticized Fallen. And, you know, I've certainly have for the politics, public stuff. He does seem to be very fucking ruthless. There's an element of truth to the whole, you know, Gabriel Two Face Toledo shit. Yeah, of course. But 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 the one thing I would <clears> absolutely <throat> never, ever, ever be critical of is his achievements, dedication to the game. Oh, it's uh, ridiculous. The, the, there's just no way I would ever listen, I'll I'm I'm someone you notice who who often is in the corner of star players, and I think as bizarre as it sounds, even if you're the star player, you obviously get the credit of being called a superstar and you have the big name. I think yeah. sometimes they get an unfair crack because when they're on a bad team, they get blamed for the bad team doing badly, and people say stupid shit like they still say to me this day about simple. Well, why did he just carry even harder? It's like I just told you he got the highest frags ever in a game ever. Well, why did he just add twenty more? It's like. Like, you know, that sort of thing goes on all the time. But even with that said, let me make this clear in no uncertain terms called Zero. With or without you, Fallen might have won a major. Without Fallen, you would have zero majors. You might not even have had a career. If I had to pick the person in all of, you know what, fuck CSGO, all of Brazilian Counter-Strike history, the most impactful person ever is Fallen. You aren't even number two. That isn't even dissing you, by the way. You'd probably be top five. You're probably the best individual player maybe ever from Brazil. Even yeah. put you up there with Kogu. Yeah, no, no doubt. You, you're even a better teammate as far as I can mm. tell. There's all sorts of things I could go all day long, but what a brilliant player called Zero is. But don't ever try and put yourself next to Fallen in that context. Because That's listen, always. as an individual player, you're a much better player. But we're talking now about the external factors, which he seemingly ignores. Except he doesn't. He takes some into account there as a diss. What the fuck? So so then he also was doing like some quick fire questions. He said two players he would never play with was Showtime, where we all guessed that. <laughs> As long as we need to keep going back to that. Oh, yeah. And is there anyone at the end of the interview who'd like to say fuck you? Yeah, fuck Showtime. Thank you, Absent. And if you had to kill a player, um, <laughs> fuck Mario Kill. Showtime. Uh, well, wait, I didn't say which one. <laughs> exactly. I'd do, do all three. Uh, but anyway, um, and then Steel, right? The Brazilian Steel. Uh, where, where he specifically said that um, he felt Steele didn't analyze his game and would only deathmatch, so he didn't practice effectively. And he also said he wouldn't, and even though he was only supposed to give two, he made a point of throwing in bolts as well. <laughs> if right? I may add another to the list of really <laughs> well, This is what I mean. They, he's, just burnt, he's just burnt every Brazilian bridge. It shows a hubris and an arrogance that he's like, listen, I'm never going to need to go back and play in, in Brazil. You you know he thinks that when he burns Fallen, because that's the one person who's going to control any successful Brazilian lineup. Um, but then he said, he said Bolt gets into a comfort zone and, and, and stops trying, uh, which is bizarre because obviously Bolts was meant to be the, the, the true lineup they wanted uh, that was going to take them to the next level back in the day. That was so, the one they complained about not being able to play yeah. the major with them, and they, including yeah. Cold Zero. Including Cold Zero, exactly. Uh, then when uh, the question was, who's been the worst MIBR player from 2018 onwards? It was just like, Phelps. And later on in the interview, he, 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 he went in and says um, that he thinks Phelps is a good player individually, but brings nothing to a team. Um, and again, that he would work a lot, but not effectively. 
uh, that Phelps was kind of an outlier. He would like he wouldn't join them for lunch. He wouldn't join them for dinners. He wouldn't go out with them. Um, and because of this individualistic outlook, <coughs> like he Cold Zero felt he couldn't get along with him. Um, you have to be went... fucking perfect to play with Cold Zero. You notice how everyone gets their own laundry list of things, and they're all different. Like, for example, yeah. so in the case of Showtime, wasn't working hard enough, playing other games. Phelps, yeah, he's playing the game all the time, but he doesn't ask to come to dinner with me. What the fuck are you talking know, about right now? What do you want about? It's mad, isn't what it? What is this? Uh, what kind of complaints are these? Um, there, there was some stuff about FNX where... One of the saying... ones I found was very telling, by the way, Richard, mm. was the one where he said that Stewie had, like, begged him to stay in the mm. past. And Stewie himself, by the way literally never trash talked him but came close and i can tell you something the reason why that one's outrageous is because i know for a fact shuey's gone the other way he's gone out of his way to almost half lie about shit in mrbr to oh. make it sound better than it was i think shuey's so been unbelievably he's so professional about what they did situation. for him and the yeah, idea absolutely. they took him on and the game absolutely. that he's gone out of his way to mind fuck himself that they, they didn't fuck him over even though i personally observed scenarios where he'd just be sat on his fucking own with like hopefully one na player maybe like one of his ex clients 90 minutes and they'd all be sat just talking in portuguese having a brilliant time for like an hour and i'd just be looking going like is anyone gonna help us it's actually one of the reasons why i, be I became a lot more friendly to that dead guy the manager because yeah. he actually was a guy who could, would notice this because he's older and try That's and sort really of go cool. over and Great talk guy. to him and bring him into the group yeah it's like the idea you like of all the people i get some of the other ones right why say anything about Stewie in that scenario? He's done nothing that you have to complain about. He even took all the bitch trolls in the team and let yep. you fucking look good. Like, how, why would you trash talk that guy? But as you'll see, guys, this is a mentality. It's the reason why so many adults criticized what, yes, in terms of novelty, he was a brilliant Hall of Spit fame speech where Michael Jordan went up and just went through all of his past like things he was pissed off about still even though he's like 50 years old now well, what's ridiculous about that was even though they were all legit things that had some element of truth to them the idea was like dude you still going about this when you're like 45 like you just you want to go through some <laughs> shit of what you're annoyed about from high school but that's kind of like what Cold Zero is doing he's just venting everything he doesn't like yeah and, and it's not Tumblr you know Cold Zero fucking and, hell and and, and the other thing as well, which I don't buy for a second, is that he positioned himself as the person that apparently wanted to keep Stewie and, and Tarek on that MIBR roster. Um, even though I he don't said, buy that either. There's no yeah, way. He, it, 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 there's a little contradiction in there because he said he wanted to get Taco back in place of Tarek. He didn't think Tarek was working, but that he was happy to have them both on the team. So it's like, well, you know, <laughs> so there's a little bit like a contradiction there, but but, but that's fine. Um, I guess both could be true. Like you have a preference for Taco, but you're happy to keep Tarek, right? You know what I mean? So, uh, and, it, and that's probably what he meant. Um, but the, but again, I don't buy this for a second because we all knew how dysfunctional that team was. We could all see it wasn't working. We could all see how it made no sense structurally, thematically, from a brand perspective. It was just a really like knee jerk reaction, which if I didn't know better, I, <coughs> I would say it was kind of almost like, you know, Noah Winston, you know, throwing uh, his, his mate Jack a bone and basically paying over the odds for uh, some NA players that probably wanted off the roster anyway. So, um, but yeah, oh, I don't, this way, that's I, don't think, I... I don't think Cold Zero was thinking, I want to no, keep no, these guys. There's an team. area I hadn't thought of, actually, which is if you know how sports teams work, there's, if you want, like, here's a little clue for you guys if you've never followed sports. Watch how many times a massive superstar player gets transferred mm. to a totally different conference or division. 
Like, you don't transfer him to your fucking rival in the division and then let that guy own the division for the rest of the 10 years. Yeah. So in the same scenario, right, if you're Jack and you know that Tarek and Stewie are definitely leaving, like, there's only th two rules I have. They're not going to Team Liquid and NRG. So tell you what, if they leave and they go to MIBR, fuck do I care? That's not even my region. I'm selling my sponsorships in North America. They can go win all the sponsorships they want for fucking South America. Brilliant. No problem whatsoever there. Obviously, it's only later those guys got to Team Liquid and NRG. So you might even be right on that one. I didn't thought of that angle, but it would actually mm. be a, another reason to sell them specifically to MIBR. Yeah, I, I, I think I think that's how uh, it, it went down. On honestly, um, and then Stewie brought it up on stream and just said like, and again, being super professional because we all know fucking Stewie will trash talk. He you. could go off if he wanted. Yeah, oh, he could go off. And right here's the now, thing, though. I'll tell right you. Right now, he's hot shit. Scenes. So the community would absolutely back. Oh, for sure. Him. I can tell you though, behind the scenes, the reason why this also shocked me and disappointed me is because I actually know that Stewie 2K has a massive reverence for Cold Zero. Like yeah. I don't, I, I won't speak for him, but if I had to guess, I think he would say Cold Zero is the best Counter Strike player ever. Uh, yeah, I mean, most likely, um, and and that was one of the reasons why he wanted to move there. And like like you said, took the bitch rolls on. You know, like he just wanted to play in that team, and hopefully, it would flesh him out and make him a better player. But um, this I, this part where it was like, uh, Stu, Stu, you know, Stewie begged him <coughs> to stay in MIPR um, and 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 all of this stuff. Um, you know, Stewie came out on stream and there was a clip of him just like saying like it just wasn't like that. It just didn't go down that way. But like, didn't want to be drawn on it. But just said like, I think it was like, oh, Cold Zero remembers it wrong or something. So he wasn't like, he was he was calling him out, but he in addressing it, but he wasn't doing it in a particular. I saw there was another like clip device. though where actually Stewie said something along the lines of that he did say to Cold Zero like. I can't remember if it was when they were getting Tarek or not, but he did say yeah. something on the lines of that. He told him, like, you can't just leave because what he said was, like, that'll be unfair. Like, we've left to join this team now. What, are you just going to leave the pro Basically, he said something yeah. along those lines, which, which, by the way, also alludes to the fact that he himself covered that up and didn't, didn't want to spill the beans when he left MIBR. He was happy yeah. to just let all that be in the past. Yeah. So, I mean, look, you know, my, my thoughts on the interview were, like, no doubt that this was a very candid interview. As I said, he even addressed FNX, said, you know, that they, they've never successfully replaced him, uh, which is true, and just in terms of chemistry and, and kind of how the team worked. Um, but, you know, again, had to sort of add the caveat that he has motivation issues and he's a ticking time bomb and all this stuff um, because they've thought about bringing him back, but they always, yeah. uh, you know, walk away from it. But in general, you know, my read on this interview was this: this is a this is a player that, um, as you rightly identified, feels betrayed. This is somebody who clearly doesn't want to play in Brazil anymore. Actually, probably thinks that playing in a Brazilian lineup right now is very limiting to him. Uh, probably has uh, the very least verbal agreements with one of these big teams, whether it's FaZe, whether it's 100 Thieves are going to swoop in. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff swirling out there at the moment that FaZe might be letting the CSGO <coughs> team uh, go. Wouldn't surprise um, me if you, you know, look at where they're at at the moment. Yeah, that's been that's been swirling around. You know, I'm not saying I've heard it from anyone credible, but people have like kind of tentatively floated it uh, to me. But you know, I just I, I don't do roster stuff anymore. So, um, so I, I I think this is a guy who's probably got an offer and thinks I'm never gonna play. Like never gonna play with those guys again. Never gonna play in that team. Um, fuck it, I'm out. Um, if I were him, all I would say is this. 
Mate, I'd go and investigate a scene called the French CSGO scene yeah. before you go ahead and ever make any kind of grand statements or imply you'll never play with anyone again. Because mm. a little spoiler for you, they all had to play with each other again because eventually there's only so many good players and you can only be in so many configurations until eventually one day you think to yourself, why not just fucking play with that guy again? So it's the reason why. It's like it's a bit like bands. You never want to leave on too bad terms because one day you might have to get back together. You might need to fucking pay that tax bill that you all didn't pay 10 years yeah. earlier. And then we all just have to do it for the professional aspect, don't we? Yeah. So I, I, I think I think you know he's uh, looking at the future, and and the future for him is European and NA, and being a star player in lineups. Um, and and like he just thinks he's never gonna play in a Brazilian lineup again, and go back to an org as I said that he thinks is shit, and you know, and all the players are shit, and even even the people that he's historically had good should have had good relationships with the shit. So uh, it, it, it was a bizarre interview in the context of like, that's a lot to put out in the public domain. That is a lot of professional players to piss off at once. And there were very few complimentary uh, statements about any player in it. You know, like apart from Taco and Nico, it's pretty much a diss on everyone else. Did say the worst player he's ever played against is Zeus. Did say that. So, mad respect. Interview Fair play. At least me. he had the balls to actually continue telling the truth. Yeah, exactly. Like, he is a, he is a truth teller. Um, but, yeah, just just a, a, in the grand scheme of things, a bizarre interview. A bizarre interview to deliver because, um, like I say, it, 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 it just burns bridges and doesn't, in my mind, doesn't make him look like a very sympathetic Here's the sad thing, Richard. I've often made this point. I actually didn't notice it myself until I'd done it for a few years. But when I do my long-form interviews, so in the modern day, it's Reflections. I used to have a series before that's called Grilled. It's basically the same concept. It's just for a different website. And I would do these interviews, like roughly an hour, nowadays two hours if I've got the time. And you go really into someone's history and their career and people they played with. One of the things I'm always very careful to do is I never put words in people's mouths, but when they've made what could be an incredibly contentious statement, I'll never just let it lie. Because I actually yeah. view myself in that interview as being on their side in some sense. Not in the sense of like, I agree with them. I think that they're in the right. But I'm on their side in as much as I'm there to help them most effectively and accurately communicate what they think. So when I hear them say something, like some of these snippets from Cold Zero, that could easily be port like portrayed or misconstrued as something really negative, I'll always give them a follow-up that gives them a potential chance to fix it. So if, for example, they're saying that about Fallen, right? Manic's follow-up would be like, well, what did he do for your career? And like, what good things were there? You know, like you'd, you'd give him a chance to flesh it out a little bit more, to give like an aspect that will offset the negative aspect. And maybe what you find out is he respects some other things that he just thought were a given that we all understood. Well, of course, you know, he's a godfather mm. of Brazilian esports, whatever it might be. And that's why I, one of the things I always took pride in in that series is almost every time I did an interview with a controversial figure, it would almost always come out that the comments would be like, wow, I actually used to fucking think this guy was an arsehole. But when you kind of get to know him, you can kind of see where he's coming yeah. from. And that was the point. It's never that I was like, yeah, I was never faking it and selling up what they were doing. I was just by letting them actually like explain kind of their reasons for why they then think the controversial thing. I think you automatically take some of the sting of it out. The problem with this interview here is the person doing the interview was just happy to sit back and go, fucking hell, he's going, go, go off, yeah. King. It was like that sort of <laughs> shit, you know, they were loving it. Like at no point in time did they ever seem cognizant of the fact that like, you know, this guy's like, he's not only digging his own grave, you're throwing another fucking shovel and telling him to go two feet more. What the fuck is this? Like, like, like it had the opposite effect of what I would hope would happen in that sense. 
Yeah, and look, the one thing I'll add as well is some of these statements, like as you know, and as I know as the reporter, when you lose the nuance of body language, tone, you know, syncopation. Or Might even have been idioms in their language we don't know or something. Yeah, exactly. Maybe it's he was telling people to bite the bullet or whatever the fuck yeah, they would tell exactly. us about. Yeah, it's been <laughs> translated. So, I, you know, you have to understand that analyzing the statements on the page are, are a lot different. There was a summary thread on Reddit. There was a couple of summary threads on Reddit, actually, where the statement sounded incredibly harsh, just written out. But when you look at how he delivers them, there's like a very, you know, like kind of almost like a lyrical flow to what he's saying. And it's very like, some of it's a bit more lighthearted than it appears on the page. But that being said, the sentiment is still the same. Yes. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, like I say, it's just, it's just a strange interview that at a time, like whenever you're presented with a long form interview like that, there has to be a part of your brain that's like, you know, this is an opportunity to be likable. This is an opportunity to show the real me to the community. To, to some would say he did do that part. But, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but but <laughs> but but they that that's exactly the problem. You know, he didn't seize that opportunity at all. I, I honestly think he had no real awareness of how bad this was <clears> going to make him look, and it positions him really poorly with uh, with the pros, which can have a knock on effect. I'll say this first of all. I don't think you see Caldera in a, in a Brazilian lineup probably ever again in his career. You know, maybe when he's maybe if they get desperate enough, yeah. if he's good yeah. enough and they're desperate enough, they might. But that's about the only circumstance I think logically. But basically, like a shocks and MBK situation, yes. logically Something like, like that, that, right? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but 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 here's the other problem: all of these pros that he's pissing off right now. I mean, you already saw. And again, this this wasn't brought up when we were talking about this interview. You remember when you know uh, they did the knife on Cold Zero and Stewie was like mugging him off, and was yes. like shouting at him. That clip, you know, when you basically motivate people to beat you, you have to be very psychologically strong because what you're doing is you're empowering them by giving them extra fuel for the engine, and also if they do start beating you and they start like, uh, you know like mocking you uh you know you have to be very immune to that as a as a as a way of tilting you you have Which, to be very if as yeah. the famous tweet to like a 14 year old kid goes cold zero has shown himself to be incredibly fragile in that respect exactly considering um, in the game he's got amazing mental fortitude outside of the game there's a lot of cracks there yeah and this and, and this is this is what worries me that it's like right now you know you're you're basically motivating the number one team in the world, a player on the number one team on the world, uh, to to really stick it to you every opportunity they get. You'll and, and the rest of his teammates will take great joy in that, and that's a galvanizing factor for them. Um, you've done it for Astralis as well, who, by the way, then you know what we've been talking like Astralis are just nowhere in the rankings anymore. They're still like. A top three, top fourteen, like sure. <laughs> you know what I mean. They're, they're still liable to give any lineup called zeros on a fucking spanking. Absolutely. So and and, and now you, one of the, one of the best orpers in the world. You know he's got, you've just put a big target on your back every time you're on the server against him, right? Which you know D device is a guy that probably can thrive on that additional motivation. So it, it, it's it's a strange thing to do. Like I'll for, even for, throw in one other angle quickly, which yeah. is. It's the same angle that comes from when people uh, leave a team and then talk shit on them normally. I always say this 
what message are you sending to your next employer and your next colleagues? Oh, I think what happens, because yeah. I know this happens to myself. If I see people in a really unfair, disparaging, and say actual, sometimes blatant lies about their ex-employer at esports sites, I think, fuck that guy joining our site. Why the mm. fuck would we want him to? What do you think yeah. he's going to do when he leaves our site? We're all going to be the bad guys who get lied about yeah. like that. Like, like let's just avoid him. And, and in esports industry, I can tell you in journalism, that is the thing that gets a lot of people subtly blacklisted that they don't even know happened. So mm -hmm. I've no doubt with pro players, like they're thinking about that. It's one of the reasons why I always tell people it isn't a mystery. Like, here's the thing. It is a mystery that Scream can't get on a good team because he looks like a brilliant player. It's not any mystery that Kiyoshima isn't on a good team. If you know any of the stories behind the scenes, I wouldn't take him because of the fucking things I've heard. So like, if you those things get around this industry, in this case, they don't even need to get around. Colzer has said it publicly. Everyone can hear it now. Yeah. So, um, you know, if I was a PR guy for him, I'd be like, you know, you've handled this completely fucking poorly and maybe lay off the interviews for a bit. But, um, I mean, fuck it, dude. Like, he's a guy who, listen... <laughs> I'll I'll just call it like it is. There's there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes about Cold Zero, um, and most of it's not great. Put out way. yeah yeah you know not a lot of it's great. Definitely arrogant. Definitely confrontational. Seems um, to have like a complex about how good he is as well. Like, by the way, a brilliant player, but he's done that thing that I hate when they do, which is where they think their status in the game transfers to real life. Shut the fuck up. I don't care. I'm, you can even be simple. And as I hope everyone's learned, you cannot then just be the god emperor of life. Like, there has to still be a reasonable relationship with your teammates and your organization and other people, etc. I, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I've seen this in all fields, you know, but w w whenever you become the person who expects to walk into a room and everybody must show you, like, you know, reverence and respect, your, your head's all out of whack, dude. Because that that's something that's built upon. That's something that you earn. That's not like not every. You're not the fucking pope. People shouldn't be coming to you and kissing the ring before they talk to you and all this stuff. And I think in his mind, there's a genuine expectation uh, that that's what people need to do. Like at the end of the day, if you're not willing to show fucking any, if you're not willing to give fallen props, which by the way, it's great that it just proves what we've been saying for ages that that, that marriage was very dysfunctional obviously they, and, and they couldn't make it work like and by the way did. props to fallen because i know actually that sometimes in that scenario fallen's one of the guys trying to keep it together yeah you know the well, guy trying to leave have you ever heard a story about fallen leaving them over you have your fuck you never heard one of those ever tell you what we've heard loads of stories about called zero fallen don't fallen doesn't walk away from shit he he's the permanent tinkerer you know he, he sits and he tries to fix it always he doesn't again think of how many opportunities at his height Fallen could have had to go to an NA lineup and make paper or go to a European. Oh, he could have got mega paid by some of those. Could have been in that fucking phase lineup, right? Like, you know, and, and, and he even he, would have, by the way, been a more logical free agent than Cold Zero in the last two yeah. years. I can tell you, people like Faze would have jumped over fucking Cold Zero to get Fallen if they thought he could fix all the other superstar players. He's the I, only absolutely. name that almost every team with international aspirations would recruit. And, and as long as he's around, there's always a potential he'll discover and, yep. and develop another cold zero. If I had to bet, I'd say he'll do it. Well, I mean, this is the thing. I, I want him to get his hands on these Furia players at some point. I want to see what, you know, Vinny or Caserato become with for, uh, with Fallen's mentorship. Um, that's what I want to see. That's what Brazilian CS needs to happen, in my opinion. Um, you know, and, and then what we'll be talking about.
Because, listen, Colts era was the best. He hasn't had a great year. He hasn't had a great 18 months. Um, he's been off that pace for a long, long time. One of these one of these kids, like, I'm telling you, as good as Colts era is, there can always be another Colts era. You know, we said there couldn't be another simple. Now we've got Zewu knocking on that fucking door. This is what I'm saying. It's like, you always think, holy shit, like, there'll never be another. It's fucking sports. There's Not only is there always another, there's a motherfucker that goes fucking further. You know, that's just that's just the reality of it. So I think Cold Zero is living in this fucking bubble. I remember he, Cold he, he Zero came be the along. Greatest forever, you know? He came along in 2015. So he's already yeah. four full years deep in his career. Now, listen, I hope he gets a brilliant career, like get right, that can last 10 years mm -hmm. at the top. But, mate, you could be two years from being done. That's not even yeah. talking shit. That's just people's lifespan as a top player. Well, that's the other worry, right? Like, um, you know... I don't think he's a very level-headed guy. Uh, I'm sure he's made a lot of money already, and I'm sure he's got a lot of status domestically in Brazil. What's going to happen now with the NA money and the European money and playing with, you know, he, he will end up playing with Nico. It's destiny. Seems almost certain. Just the two yeah. of them. Like, like one thing about those two guys is, first of all, they fucking deserve each other because they're the guys who, <laughs> who can just find something wrong with every oh, yeah. team. Every oh, great yeah. teammate and every supportive element, they've always got something that's wrong with them, you know. But they deserve to play with each other just so they see what it's like to play with someone like that. I'd love to see it happen because, by the way, anyone who thinks it's going to be this dream marriage, I your, your fucking mind. That's the sort of thing that'll go like this. It'll, mm. If it works, it'll be like Fears at the beginning. Everything's amazing. We're shooting everyone's head off. The second they run into problems, it'll be like Fears when, when it wasn't at the beginning. And suddenly everyone's getting blamed and someone's getting scapegoated and you're trying to kick people out and there's all dysfunction within the team. That, 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 that's combustible written all over it. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So, um, yeah. Bizarre interview. Lots of drama coming out of it. Cold Zero seems kind of just all right with it, at peace with it. Uh, another bit of news over in uh, Brazil. And this is obviously what, you know, what we've been talking about, MIBR. One of the other great controversial Brazilian figures might be making a comeback. It was uh, reported that he had finally managed to overcome his visa problems and got a US visa. So I don't know who he's been working with uh, for that, but finally he's cleared that hurdle, which again, you remember how many people were saying, oh, it's all lies about the visa problems. It's not that. And then it's like, hey, everyone, I finally sorted out my visa problem. Like, you've just fucking... So you've just been lying to me for know, two years. It's mental, isn't it? Just, Their biggest uh, uh, problem in that scene really is that they don't keep all the stories straight. <laughs> I've always mate, told that, that. That's esports in general. <laughs> you know, nobody nobody can remember all the lies upon lies they've told. And unfortunately, because, you know, because of the fucking morons, the medium rare morons that we, we sort of pander to or, or, from the vast majority of the audience, not only do they forget the vast amount of lies that have been told, when you present them with the lies, they go, yeah, it's only lies, though, isn't it? It's just fucking lies. It's just endless lies. So obviously, uh, you know, he got his visa. And then basically... Here we are, you know, now it looks like he's going to be making his debut for MIPR. This was a report by DK, of course, who I, I think I saw in the chat, uh, basically saying he's going to make his debut for MIPR um, after the major. Um, so he's finally going to get that, that thing we've been wanting to happen. We're finally going to get to see. But here's, here's the question. He was hot shit when all the drama kicked off with the 100 Daves sure. and the Villamix guys and 
you know, he was like one of the best prospects to emerge, even though he was a little bit older. Like he was just going off like a fucking firecracker. But now he spent some time playing in some diminished lineups. Those lineups haven't been doing anything. His stats have been fluctuating a little bit up and down. Still has like brilliant games, brilliant moments. <clears throat> the question is, is this move happening a little bit too late for it to be positive? It kind of reminds me of the move they've just done with Lucas, where it's one where it's like a, a few years ago, it was the obvious name. Everyone would have been on board mm. for whatever reason it didn't happen. And so you do it at the end because it's kind of like, we've exhausted every other opportunity. Why don't we try that idea that seemed good a few years ago? Mm. So I definitely think it's worth a crack with where the team's at. I even think, bizarrely enough, the fact that there's no called zero, if you look at who they've got left in the team now, dude, they have got a real chance to reset the culture of this team completely because they've got Fallen, Taco, Lucas. In theory, none of these people want to have the old culture. Lucas only just joined. Taco already is a guy who's a pretty cool guy in that sense. I think would be open to changing things. Fur's more of the old school player, but who knows how much longer he's staying anyway. And who knows, since we heard reports in the past of him and Cold Zero had their own issues, I imagine, I have to say, within their team, as much as Cold Zero in the server was the guy carrying them in, the, in terms of like play, he also was clearly something that you like, you, everything that happened had to be skewed by him existing as a player. Like, you couldn't have just come in. I mean, it was basically implied, by the way, that when Yankel was there, Cold Zero was the guy pushing back on lots of the changes Yankel wanted to make, if you mm. go and read between the lines in the interviews. So, unfortunately, I actually think that Cold Zero staying might have made adding new additions harder. So, if you're, if you're getting rid of Cold Zero and you can clean the deck completely and bring in KNG and, and change the whole mentality of the team, let's not be like the old team that's stuck in its ways, or as they've said here, trying to go back to what they had with FNX, but being only able to recreate it. If you start with those pieces on paper and build up a concept, you could have a very good team with some of those players. Like, I agree with you. I'm not sure where KNG is as a player because he's been playing on such a low level and in such bad teams. I even found it hard to take it too seriously even when I saw him completely go off because the way he would go off is like, you'd never be in that position in a real game, mate. And there's no teams playing around you like this. Like, I'd like to see you in a real pro team. But I definitely like the potential of it. And I have to say, I think for both teams, it's the last crack. If this doesn't work, I think we see massive changes and you'll never see a KNG again. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> he's certainly going to be motivated. He seems to be a guy who fucking thrives on that stuff. He surely should know this is his last chance saloon. Yeah, he's he's got to fucking go balls out here. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, it's even one of those uh, situations where I think you have to probably even think about that from a perspective of Fallen likes to have a system. You might have to say on occasion in the middle of the game, just quietly, just to yourself internally, fuck the system. And think about yourself a little bit. I don't. I, I think sometimes having a bit of a selfish bent, if you're good enough, isn't the worst thing in the world. Like sometimes you maybe have to go off script and just sure. try and do something that maybe the person calling the shots didn't want you to do, but it works. Plenty of top sportsmen yeah. do that when it's the right moment. The key oh, thing exactly. is, as long as they get you've that gotta, touchdown, they, they make that shot. Then your coach can't say much, can he? Exactly. Exactly. So, um, yeah. That's um, you know, listen, I'm I'm happy for him. I I, I want to just add that there as well because he still got me blocked on Twitter. There's a big perception I think that you, me, we have some like weird beef or feud with him. It's definitely like the opposite. Um, we think that he's past. Well, again, I'm not going to speak for you, but I'll speak for me. I think his past behavior was disgraceful. I don't like yeah, pros course. threatening. I don't like pros threatening pros at events. Uh, even to the point where you you're seeking them out. 
that that just shouldn't be happening. That isn't part of the sport. Um, I think when you put yourself in a position where you're arguing with people and you you intimating that homosexuality is bad in some way, I think that makes you a terrible ambassador for anything. Um, and and you should you should know better. And it, you know, hopefully, it's not a reflection of any genuine <coughs> views that he holds. I don't think it was. It was just stupid. It was a very poorly phrased joke, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I I think you know. He he's definitely learned the hard way. I don't know how contrite he is, but he's back, and he's a he's a he's a working you know he's a working class dude who's had to work incredibly hard for the career he's got. Uh, nearly threw it all away through his own hubris and stupidity and naivety. But at the end of the day, you always want to see talent succeed, um, and you want to see people grow and evolve. And, uh, it, it, you know, hopefully this is the start of something that works because fucking MIBR need it. Brazilian CS fans need it. KNG needs it. Fallen fucking needs it. Everybody needs it. So hopefully this is a is, is the right move. Um, cautiously optimistic. Sure. But, ca but cautiously. Um, another roster move that went down. Uh, this was a surprise one for me. Um, it happened kind of shortly after uh, we did our last show, so we didn't get time to talk about it. But uh, refresh out at Optic, uh, Cajun B in. Um, so Optic, uh, you know, I just can never make out the MSL thought process, honestly. I, uh, I have a very strange relationship with Cajun B in the sense that I remember him being like a fucking phenomenal player at points in his career, especially in, in Source, but certainly in CSGO. But the past few years, it like I can't really remember him doing anything that makes me think of him in that light anymore. To my knowledge, the last few years, ever since the last North lineups he was in, he has always been given a role by the team as opposed to choosing a role. Like I believe in Cloud9, they even said he just did all the shit roles in that team as well. So all I'll say is this, the last few teams he's been in, a lot of teammates have told me good things. Like it yeah. seems like he chilled out a lot more from the old guy who used to be like a rage monster, obviously. Oh yeah, I mean he was always he was always a fiery character, right? But he's a cool dude and it's like you say, you know, it, it's like To me he's become a proper vet. He's kind of chilled a little. He gets yeah, the exactly. game now as it were, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um and look, versatile, no doubt about it. Absolutely. Ex experienced. Um, it just kind of feels a, a bit strange to uh, that it's refresh. That's the make weight. I'm very confused about that. I think there's people on the roster that I don't feel have the same potential as him. Um, there was a there was a, a, a statement uh, by MSL where he basically said that it was too many people that have the same roles. So right. he said we couldn't fit two players with the same roles. So this is like just a natural change. It's not anything about him on a personality level or a professionalism level. And to be fair, you know, like obviously I'm a little bit biased because I, I, I want Refresh to, to do very well and I've advocated for him in the past. I think to be fair, he his development, you know, it, he was rocketing up and then it, it was starting to plateau. Yeah, the, he didn't show that much himself. Like basically yeah. I can see what, here's what MSL means by that. It's like Refresh was bought in with the logic he was going to be on the entry side of the game. Well, the problem mm. is if you've got Config and Nico, they're both basically like dedicated entry players. So like having a third person means someone's not doing that role and therefore yeah. might be doing a role that doesn't make sense. Whereas in this scenario, like I just said, 
first of all, MSL has worked with Cajun a lot and he knows what he can do. And then secondly, if you want someone to play any kind of a more supportive role, Cajun can probably do that better than a guy who probably himself wishes he was elsewhere playing an entry role, you know? Yeah. I kind of see what he's, he's trying to communicate there. Yeah, and what probably didn't help was they brought in this uh, Tezes, I think is how you say it, uh, guy, and um, he's been looking like he's going to develop at a rate that's going to go past refresh, yes. right? Like, I'm assuming they're taking him as the X factor. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, he's been very impressive since he got in the team. You know, he's only 18. He's actually younger than uh, refresh, uh, you know, unless we forget, 21. So, you know, and like I said, I think he's had some very good games, you know, and the times that I've caught them, obviously haven't seen a lot of, um, you know, uptick. Uh, but, you know, whenever I've seen him play, uh, definitely looks to be a, a, a very good find. And again, shows like this embarrassment of riches that they've got in, in Denmark. They, this is quietly said, a pretty decent looking team, actually, this lineup. I hope yeah, well, it's team. like I said, it's like I said, when the uh, Immortals group came in, and fucking bought a pop dick, and they just cut this team loose because obviously the rules are you can only have one CS team if you want to go to Valve approved events. I said they're probably going to regret it because you know you're back in the Brazilians and it's a fucking clusterfuck over there right now, and you're having yet another roll of the dice with a high profile. Fucking... You're spending a lot of fucking money fixing yeah. all these problems oh, every time you notice. Yeah, you're spending a fucking absolute fortune over there. You know that that that's going to be a very expensive project meanwhile quietly with what you've got with the danes you've got msl as i said he might not be the best in-game leader of all time but he's a future hall of famer this is the sad thing mate is i this is one of the reasons why i've told this story in the past how players like valde and there were some others hunden i could i was actually mm. trying to position them to get into cloud nine once upon a time when cloud nine was in the sure. shop and one of the selling points i gave was what's going to be brilliant is even if this roster doesn't work say you've got two functional Danes who are good in your lineup, you've now basically got a scenario where you can start bringing in more Danes mm. and that, that you've got access now to what is in theory the most vibrant talent pool in the whole scene. But yep. at the moment, it's capped at two and a half teams playing it nationally. So I even said, what's mad is you'll be at the forefront of getting the next device before he becomes device. You won't let him go to a strat. You'll get him to your team. So like that's one of the reasons also why I, I also think some of the... The idea of owning a team like this is so essential. You've got the player there. MSL's like the pro-level London, isn't he? He's like the player who's been known to pick the talents and bring them yeah. up from the level he gets them out to the next. So it's like, if you want to look for a long-term franchise, it's not a bad way to start. Well, listen, uh, this th this team, if, if you were to ask me, right, you know, obviously Astralis is the best Danish team. Of course. But if you were to ask me, who's better, North or this optic lineup? Well, it's heroic as well. They, they got four or five as Danes. And, and, yeah, and the heroic lineup, true. It's pretty close between those three, I have to say. It's Listen, not, it's not clear cut. I, I, I would rather have this lineup. I would rather Oh, for talent, I would agree with that. Yeah, I would rather have the optic lineup. Now, if you if you were to take if you were to LF Valde out and put him in this team in place of, like, again, it, sadly, it would have to probably be a Nico or a Tezes that makes way, or if they got him instead of Cajun, maybe... Now we're talking. Now we're fucking rocking. Because, you know, North have got this big 
deficiency of, you know, they've got Yugi and Gade. Like, man for man, this Optic team's better. Heroic are playing really well right now, but again, yep. that's with, like, some players like, you know, Nato Safix and guys like this, you know, coming out of nowhere and punching above their weight. Is it sustainable? You know, Freiburg's actually rolled back the years. No one's fucking talking about that. Freiburg's actually fucking, you know, bodying people again. They've had a couple of big games, yeah. Yeah, it's fucking wild, right? So, um, you know, is that going to continue? Uh, for me... If I was like if I was like one of these new orgs like looking to get in, like hands down, you go and get this team. And I so think the joke we... is this, Richard. You know, we mention all the time how annoying it is when people come in. Half the time they're all crypto millionaires and they go, mm. What top 10 Counter-Strike team can I buy? And you always go, You can't. What's a joke is it's like, hold on a second. Uh, I can get you like a top 15 one. This is actually a top 15 team available, basically. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. With so the I pieces think, um... to go higher. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I think, you know, I, I get it. You know, people are like saying, oh, they, you know, they didn't get to the major, you know, have had all those problems. This is, this is, this is like MSL felt there needed to be a change. He's made the change. He's got what he's wanted. Now they can go away and work on it. I think, I think this team has a, a lot of potential, a lot of potential. Uh, even in, And again, like you say, got the room to go a lot higher. You know what? You could really do a great uh, callback piece. Or, mm. or somewhere in your media, you should do this. Get that article you wrote last year, I think it was, about how in-game leaders don't get, they like sort of get the short end of the stick. Yeah. Mate, look at all the in-game leaders who get cut and treated unfairly. Oh, MSL, yeah. Carrigan. I mean, perhaps Fallen will do it soon. Obviously, who was the other one you had? Daps. Like, yeah. notice that Stanislaw. Notice how yeah. all these people were thrown to one side at some point. Or the community says they're done, they're shit, they're all never going to make it again. They all magically, that yet again, have massive impact, way more than the, the pleb fan thought, because half the pleb fans, this isn't even a joke, were just looking at the fucking fragging of the in-game leader and going, mm -hmm. he's garbage. It's like, mate, the, it's like I said that comment before about Carrigan, and I didn't say it as a diss on Nico. I said it to point out how people don't have the reasonable perception of someone like Carrigan. I said, he has forgotten more about Counter-Strike than Nico will ever know. The point yeah. there is, it's not that Nico doesn't know. Nico knows an incredible amount for an in-game individual player. But these in-game leaders, they are worth their weight in gold. Like, if I'm making a franchise, in-game leader for me is like quarterback in an NFL team. That's the first position I lock down. After I've got my in-game leader, then I'm going for the superstar player. Yes, of course. But if you actually gave me a choice, this might sound mad. I guess I'll say it anyway. If you gave me a choice, start a franchise tomorrow. Who do you want, Cold Zero or Fallen? I'll take Fallen all day all day because yeah. fallen might find me in the next cold zero cold zero will never find me in the next fallen never i don't think that's crazy that at never all. i'd 100 subscribe to that but you I know mean, i know a lot of fans that's what i would do know, if i was building they think a it's team more now. obvious wouldn't they you know they think we well, gotta go with cold zero it's like no i don't i can't believe it or not i might get another cold zero i'll never get another fall if i go the other route and and listen i think zeus is a terrible individual player but there's there's another one navi got rid of him um you know i i i don't i think it's different now but don't forget when he he, he changed teams and went and won a major. He transformed that Gambit team for sure. Yeah, yeah, totally. There's no getting away from it. No, no. He found uh, some talents, developed them. He did a lot. Yeah. Yeah. There's no there's no getting away from it. It was probably what they needed. They were probably just a bit too lackadaisical, you know. And and he brought in some steel and some fucking discipline, and uh, it was just the right balance because they were older guys that could sort of deal with his more out there, you know, behavior. So yeah, I, I stand by it. You know, I, I think the in-game leader is the most un like undervalued role in, in Counter Strike, which is mind blowing to me that we we're in this Especially era when you where go and you look at the, all about the stars. Just go and look at the teams that have the talent. So FaZe Clan for the past year, 
obviously NIP is a great example. These are teams that have the players. They don't have the in-game leader. And you notice how it makes everything like dysfunctional, less than the sum of its parts. Meanwhile, you go and you look at the teams that people like DAPS, people like MSL have, they always do the opposite. They're always more than the sum of their parts. Like That's the value the leader can bring if he does his job properly. Oh, totally. Um, so keep an eye on Optic. Don't sleep on them. I think they're going to be... Uh... I think they're going to climb up the ranks. But uh, we're coming up to the end of the show, so that means that it's time to do our patron questions. In case you don't know, if you go and sign up to the Patreon and you give us uh, $50 or more, you get to ask a question on the show. So if you want to pick Duncan's brains or my brains, uh, you can go and do that. Uh, so, uh, Rekovic on... St oh, wait, Jerky's Minion first. Uh, do you guys think Slasher is doing a good job representing esports in these TV appearances? So I'll fill this one. Obviously, me and Slasher have had a long history with each other because, you know, we go back to the fucking, you know, I'm, I'm like second gen esports, Duncan and Rodder first gen, right? So, you know, we, we've had some problems where, he, <coughs> you know, it's, it's no secrets. He did some behavior I considered to be snaky where I was trying to offer an olive branch. And he was very embittered about past relationships and slapped it away. He um, not only tried to, you know, push me out of a job that I had. He also, when I applied for another job at another company, he was very vocal about how he didn't want me to get it. Um, so, but 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 equally as well, you know, I feel terrible about when he'd had that ESPN appearance, and he went on and he looked like you know a fucking gargoyle, like death warmed up. Um, and we and, and funnily enough happened to be talking about fucking drugs in esports, which of course, you know, the joke that we made is, you know, how fucking appropriate because Rod's done them all. There are no drugs in esports. We have to wait for Rod to die and smoke his ashes, you know? So the, uh, you know, we, we poked a lot of fun at him, but he was going through a fucking terrible time in his personal life and it was very cruel to, uh, to, to do that. And I relished in it. I relished in it because of our history. I actually, I actually enjoyed being cruel, and it was it was pathetic. It was beneath me to attack somebody on that basis. Uh, it's not a nice thing to do, even to people that you don't like, uh, and it's not who I am as a person. But I, but I I let my um, hostility get the better of me, and I and I did things that I'm not particularly proud of. Um, I think in general, Rod is like a good guy. He's, he's a fucking square guy who obviously has his quirks, obviously has his foibles. But what I'm super happy about is seeing how he's turned it around. He's overcome a lot of the stuff that was going on in his personal life. And again, I don't want to list it, but there was a lot going on. And um, he's developed something that I don't think he's ever really had Uh which is which is like uh, this relentless work ethic he's got right now because I think he's realized that he has squandered a lot of opportunities in the past and he has been a little bit, you know, again, a little bit, not lazy, but just ca a bit too casual. Um, now he's realizing that esports is getting big. He can position himself as an OG, as a reporter, and finally he's putting in the work that you need to do, like back back how he used to when he was when he was hungry, back when he was doing stuff for MLG, and back when he was doing stuff for Live on Three, um, back in the day. So I, I think uh, I think it's a great transformation. I'm really proud of him um turning it around like he has and i think overall he's he's a perfect ambassador the one thing about rod i'll say is he's always been ahead of the curve on media trends he knows how to present himself on tv 
Um, he uh, understands social media like very few people in our industry do. Like he was the guy who was telling us to get Twitter accounts and get Reddit accounts. He was the guy who helped us get verified on Twitter uh, and stuff like that. So, you know, he, he has been a net good overall. Um, he's done some things that are potentially unforgivable. But in the same way that I regret the things that I've done to him, I like to think that Rod would regret the things he's done to others, including Duncan. But to answer the question, yeah, I think he's done a great job. I, well, the, since the question is, what do I think of as a TV appearance? Quick, simple answer is I don't. Never seen any of them. The only one I saw was the one Richard referenced from about, I think it was about three years ago now, where he went on ESPN. And as mentioned, there's nothing positive to say about that. So I haven't seen the others, so I can't comment. That's reasonable. I don't, I don't know if you want to add something to anything that I said, because I know obviously you probably have a different opinion. Uh, I would just say in my particular case, I don't need to say that I've done things that were bad as well, because I haven't done anything on the level that he's done to me. So no, I have nothing else to say about that. That's fair. Um, and again, just like we said earlier, I'm not going to chuck you the shovel. I won't do it. <laughs> we'll, we'll let that one hang. Uh Reykjavik on Steam asks, uh, with the past experience of so many different tournament organizers putting on a major now, is it completely inexcusable for there to be a poor major, or should we ignore the 14 previous majors and treat each major as its own <coughs> separate entity? Um, so to answer this, competitor intelligence is a thing, as in if you do something and you have a certain type of tech and and access to a certain production team or something like that, very often you might not want to share it. So the idea that there's any kind of like cross-company shared knowledge going on, uh, that that's not happening. Um, that being said, I think we're at a stage now where it's like you say, like what, fucking 14 majors. Everybody should have their shit together enough to be able to run a fucking good tournament that does the that does we're not asking for miracles. What we're asking for is the fundamentals. And here's what the fundamentals are to me. You start on time. The matches run on time. The servers and computers are calibrated correctly. You have a team on standby for the inevitable tech problems, so they get resolved in very short periods of time. You have a constant flow of content with, as l with just your minimum ad break commitments for your sponsors so people aren't bored, don't disconnect, don't go and do something else. And you show all of the games because it's the World Championship and fans should be able to watch every game without having to choose. I think that's a very simple criteria. When you start adding a bit of sizzle to that steak, brilliant. I love it when you do all the fucking 3D graphics and you got the cool stingers and here's a stage show and all of that. But unfortunately, a lot of tournament organizers think fucking top down. They want to put, they want to do the sizzle first. They want to have the big show, the big introduction where everyone abseils down from the fucking ceiling and here's fireworks. And then it's like, you go from that to a desk segment to wait in an hour for the first game because there's a tech fuck up. It's like, it's, it, that's a joke. That's an embarrassment. You know, I worked in television. It wouldn't happen in television. Like we had fuck ups in E-League, but we always scrambled. They were, they were fixed in unbelievably quick amount, amounts of time. And that was true even when we were on the road shows with the major, you know, everyone raved about PLG. Krakow had a ton of fuck ups. Everybody was happy face. It got their major. It's the worst major to date. It was a disaster. And it, and it, it, it represents just a lack of forethought. They put more forethought in, uh, oh, what can we do differently? What type of content can we do? What kind of stage show can we do? What kind of light show can we do? Guys, 
build from the fucking foundations up. So, yeah, I, I think definitely treat each major as a separate entity because they are they are uh, separate companies, but judge them all based on what we've seen previously. And if it ever goes backwards, be vocal about that because it shouldn't be going backwards. Yeah, I will say one thing. To be fair to the people who've run modern-day majors, right, we all have an incredibly rose-tinted view of the first majors because we didn't have anything like that. It was such a jump up from what we had before. Someone actually showed me an old interview I'd done. I think it was in like 2015 or something. And when I was talking about the scene back then, I even made the comment that I classed some like massive event as a tier two event. And in the comment I said, because I only class majors as tier one, that's how different majors were compared to the average event back then in terms of prize money, the scale of it. But you have to point out, as bad as the face it major was, the face it major took what like three weeks had like a massive sprawling mm -hmm. system 24 teams massive amount of prize money took place in like wasn't it like twickenham or something they were working with maybe yeah. wembley for the final all these factors right the first major dream out winter 2013 was a three-day event where you actually started playing the playoffs on the first day after you played some of your groups like the idea that like these are comparable, no. Now, obviously, in context, yes, you have to look at what's going on in the scene now and what's come before. I do think you should do that in a way, but I definitely agree each event also should be kind of viewed in isolation. Like, What were the expectations going in? Did you deliver? I would just say this. I agree with a lot of things Richard said. Those are the basics I think you should hit. Like If you do those things and then you get lucky and there's good games, it's going to be considered a great major. You don't have to get that much else right. The one thing I do hope going forward, though, is I hope Valve start to look at some of the extra additional things. Like, for example, if that TO, which to be fair, you are putting a massive amount of strain on with the costs that they have to run up against in CSGO, and I've basically heard it said by many TOs now, running the major isn't about any dream of making money. It's about just boosting your brand for your later events that aren't majors. So yep. already you're kind of putting them in a tough spot when they're running a major as a loss leader. So I would just say this, in a world where you know that they're going to have to, like, be very frugal with their budget and they're going to have to cut corners. Just look where they cut the corners. That's what I'd say because the one thing I don't like is when I've seen some of the majors go all out on the stadium or the country it's in or some other aspect that makes it look awesome to the average fan, but then behind the scenes, you know, some of the things they kind of trimmed the corners of actually were the things that can eat away at the quality of the tournament. I mean, obvious things like talent, etc. Now, again, I don't want them to get super involved directly. I'd just mm. like that to be part of what they consider when they look at the pitches. Because I do feel as though, even though they've put their feet wrong sometimes, like there must be really good pitches coming into some of them. And I know some of the ones I've heard of that have gotten turned down. So I don't feel as though it's a lack of like people who want to host a good major. So I don't have any problem with most of the people who've been given a shot. A lot of the ones that were even fucked up was the person's first try, to be fair. But I do feel as though Valve should probably be like, let's be a little bit more holistic in how we look at the overall major. Yeah, uh, totally agree. Uh, so uh, another question, is Fortnite illegitimate eSport and why is the answer no? Um, I, 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 I won't answer that, but what I will say is uh, Epic put a statement out the other day. I don't know if you saw this, Dunk, right? Yep, it was, it was outrageous, yeah. but hilarious. Yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. It's it's like you can't believe they did it, but, it, you know, it's like it's, it's so like when the mask slips. Exactly, like, yeah. you know, yeah, it was unreal. So for those that don't know and don't play Fortnite, which I'm, I'm guessing it might be most of you, or you, you might be, have had a play on it like back in the day when it came out and then you just uninstalled it and got bored and went and played someone else um they put these things in the in the game mechs basically a mecha suit called the brute i think it is 
and uh, they're fucking dumb as fuck. <laughs> they are so dumb and so broken, and the entire competitive community has been outraged about their existence because they're so dumb and so broken. If you don't, if you want to get an idea about what I'm talking about, go to the live stream fail subreddit right now. There is footage of Tim the Tapman um, fucking turning off his monitor, aiming at his feet, and just running around with, with, with the fucking mech and gets a team wipe. Um, so they are very overpowered. <coughs> there was a hashtag that trended, uh, ban the mech or whatever it was. All the organizations have spoke out. All the players have spoke out. All the streams have spoke out. The high-end competitive community do not want this in the game at all, right? So Epic Games came out and released a statement where they basically said a few things, and I'm paraphrasing here. I don't have it in front of me. But they said, uh, we believe that everyone should be able to win, and that's why we like to put items in the game that shake it up to that degree so uh, that they basically balance around casual play and that they will always continue to shake up the game in this way. So basically what they advocated for publicly was a fucking, uh, you know, where you get like, everyone gets a prize. Participation award, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the mech is the participation <laughs> award of esports. And it's such a crazy thing for them to publicly say. I mean, I tweeted out and said, this may as well just say fuck esports. And I always knew Epic Games had a weird idea about it. Riot's it, at least sneaky enough to like sort of subtly imply this without yeah. directly saying it. I, mean, I, always, I always knew they had like a strange idea about it because obviously I ran a Fortnite event when I was working at WSOE. And uh, I was like, there's no way they'll, you know, they've done it a few times where they've released an item just before a tournament, but they won't do it for us because, like, we're not that big. And, you know, but we, even though we have some of the big streamers here and it's going to be like a big event in LA, you know, and it, it, it's got the chance to go viral and stuff, I just don't think they're going to do it like that. Like, for their events, maybe it makes sense because it's a way they want to showcase it, but they're not just going to fuck over an esports tournament just for the sake of it. Then we got a phone call the day before the tournament from Epic uh basically saying hey we're putting a new item in the game and we've been stress testing servers and when, when it's on it they break so you might want to think about that <laughs> and we're like the, the night the, you know the night before the fucking tournament they put in the fucking boom box and everyone's like what the fuck like so then we had to get up super early and plot around all of this at the event all the fucking pros we're like, what the fuck is this? The boombox actually had a massive impact on the tournament because I think one of the guys uh, that that had, had built, you know, people were still like build focus, building huge towers. And of course, a boombox could absolutely wreck it. And no one had experienced it before. So nobody knew how to play around it. And it, it's deliberate. At this point, they've done it for every tournament where they've put some busted broken item in without any attempt Free advertising, to... right? Well, yeah, but like... Tells you, in... hey, you go play and get that shit, and you could take over the game. Put it in, like, a month before, two months... Like, let people adjust to the meta, you know, like, get into it. But but it, with something like the mech, there isn't even any adjusting to the meta. So to come out and basically defend it on the basis that we want every scrub and his mum to get a fucking chicken dinner or whatever the fuck they're called in Fortnite... It, it, it blew my mind. It blew my mind that a company who has just made a significant hire from a rival esports company. Yeah, no, um, he can't catch a break, can he? Oh, no, no, fuck. No, actually, I'm, I never <laughs> thought I'd say it. I'm beginning to fucking pity that, Nanza. I'm beginning to like, fuck. 
holy shit, dude. Like, he's like, oh, great. So I'll be in charge of all these wicked esports things. Yeah, but just know that every time there's a tournament, we're just going to release some busted, fucked up item because we want casual kids to have fun. It's I like, would say he's like the Graham Taylor of esports, but that's another off reference that should <laughs> yeah, be off no. at this point. <laughs> bring, bring, bring it up, bring it up. Uh, so yeah, look, um, I, I don't first know. First thing he said thought. when he got in the office, he saw that fucking Becky goes, "Do I not like that? Do I not like that?" The turnip. Uh, so I mean, look, I, I think when your company basically comes out and says like we're not going to balance around esports, they're not really interested in making it an esport. I think I think it's been pushed as an esport. I think it has esports potential. Yeah. I'd probably I'd probably still consider it to be an esport, but only in the loosest sense. Only in the sense that for classification and pigeonholing purposes, it, it, we need to put it there. Um, but th- it's very clear that Epic. I mean, like now, if you're a Rocket League fan. You might be a little bit worried because, <laughs> you know, what are they going to be doing over there? Oh, hey, we're just going to throw in these new fucking cars. Yeah, don't worry about that. This one's actually faster than all the others in the game because we want everybody who plays Rocket League to have a chance. Uh, you know, so, uh, you know, I- I'm-, I'm exaggerating there. Obviously, Rocket League's a very different game. But it, but it's worrying. It's worrying, their, their philosophy on esports for me. Yeah, my problem with this is, obviously, it's just a semantics debate, right? So what happens is there's some people who go, no, only the games I like are esports. And the problem with that is, if you know the history of esports, their actual bracket for what they would consider esports would contain almost zero modern-day esports games. Like, I think only CSGO would pass the test. Five minutes. Star- CSGO and StarCraft 2 might be the only games that would get in. Because mm. for anyone who doesn't know, when... Quake came out. CS was the casual game that you were a pleb shitter hiding behind a box, by the way. Yeah. I, I could literally, at the end, un, yeah. un, unironically say, quoted Michael Carmack Blihart's fucking IEM product manager 2008 to 2018 or something like, you know, like that's the opinion of someone who himself later put on a lot of fucking Counter-Strike, to some of the best ever, by the way. So yeah. that was already considered a noob game. If you imagine Dota is a hardcore game, Get in my time machine with me. That was for fucking plebs. Even Warcraft 3 players thought that was a fucking casual game. So like I say, none of these games would make the bracket. So the problem is, on the other side of the equation, you have the person who goes, technically, any game that you have money on and is a multiplayer game is is an eSports game, which is like, so Farmville, if I make a tournament in Farmville, (laughs) you're going to count that in eSports, and that better be in the next eSports awards. Of course not. So the problem with it is, both positions are kind of ridiculous. And who the fuck gets to say what's eSports anyway, right? If the consensus is that it's eSports, that's it. Like, I don't have any extra power over anyone else. If everyone else says it's eSports, they get to be the... It gets to be esports, so it's kind of a pointless discussion unless you start specifying what you mean by esports. Because I personally don't buy the idea anything could be esports. I also don't think you should be too restrictive. So to me, I just think my basic criteria goes at this: Does it have a proper scene? As in, could you be a real pro in it? At the moment, the Fortnite tournaments they had, like the Fortnite World Cup. Uh, actually exactly like, I wasn't even joking when I said this, some fucked up modern version of the movie The Wizard that came out in the fucking 80s. But yeah. the idea was everyone in the world was trying to play Super Mario, I think it was the two at the time, and three was the one in the game that got released. Funnily enough, releasing a new game at the tournament. So they, obviously Epic Games did watch this movie, didn't they? Yeah. So the premise was anyone could qualify and it was a one tournament to show who the best was, right? That's not esports to me. That's a, that's a spectacle. It's a novelty gimmick, basically. If you want a real circuit, so you have like 10 stops and, you know, they're in different countries and there's the same players are going to the stops. It's a real tournament. So now he can be an esport. 
I'd hope the game should allow skill elements to be emphasised. I have a lot of problems with the RNG elements of the beginning and the end of a Fortnite game. Never mind these mad items they put in that seem to make it mere war, way more so that a pleb can win over the best player. Like, then there's the whole money aspect. Yeah, let's be real. Do any of you still count Quake World as an eSport? I do, but it has almost fuck all money in it. Now, it's a way more skilled game than most of the games you play. But I wouldn't mind if you said you didn't think it was eSports. I think it's probably just a hobby again. It's probably just a fun thing you do on the side. So I think to me, it's basically the question is, do I count as eSports? Now, I don't. But then again, I have incredibly elitist standards. And I only count, let's say, five games. So in terms of caring about it, I don't care about it as a game. I think it has some novelty value in terms of what it can do for the mainstream. But I personally would say no. But like I say, if it actually meets some basic criteria, I wouldn't mind allowing it in. Well, I'll I'll draw your attention to uh, just to show you how crazy it is right now. Uh, there's a there's a game called Farming Simulator. Have you ever seen this? On Steam? and they don't just mean when people are derogatory about a player in Daughter or League of Legends. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> uh, actual Farming Simulator. So okay. it's 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 been out for a while. It's like literally you you ride around. You run in a farm. You get in a combine harvester. You, you know you. Can you run people over? No, 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 no. Uh, otherwise, shit. we'd be having a discussion yeah, about exactly. how violent video games are, right? Can you, do you have uh, guns in it? Yeah, we need we need to ban farms because they're dangerous. Do you have guns? You know, a lot of shit. pheasants and that. No, of... no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 Basically, they released a new version, and they said, "Well, we're gonna we're gonna bring our own esports league with it." I've I've given the link to Sam. Uh, this was reported in the Verge, where there's like over a quarter of a million dollars of prize money. No shit in in the Farming Simulator League. And of course, the opening <laughs> sentence just—I know it's metal. The opening yeah. sentence just makes it perfect, it mate. Because it goes, when you think of competitive gaming and esports, your mind probably drifts towards massively popular online games like yeah, Fortnite or Overwatch. True, it yeah. Doesn't though. No, well, not not for us, but maybe no, for no, the plebs. Not, yeah, the, yeah. the idea that to sort of say, oh, farming simulator is a bit of an obscure esport. Now, not like that bloody Fortnite, you know, it's fucking ridiculous. So, uh, so anyway, yeah. Shit, you know, I've just realised. What, like, that you, you can know, play Farming Simulator? I forget the name of what the phenomenon is called, but you're going to know what I'm referring to. You know, if you're Amish, that, that mm. unorthodox like religion that. in America, they famously, he, he could be, mate, he does look like he's raised a few barns in his time. Oh, for sure, Not, yeah. not Bairns. I know Scottish people were like, yeah, he's good at developing talent, no barns. But anyway... Yeah. And obviously, there's that famous thing they go through when they reach a certain age, I think it's like 16, where what happens is they're basically allowed to go out into the world and then they sort of get to like be a little bit wild and then they choose, I think it's maybe like two years later, they're supposed to choose, do I choose to become Amish again and, you know, I'll give up all that or do I choose to be part of the world or whatever the fuck they describe it as? Yeah. Like, obviously, the first game they're going for when they leave there, because they're having to do manual farming, aren't they? The first thing they go for, this is their violent video game. They're in the fucking combine harvester. <laughs> They're just fucking wrecking it with all GMO crops and stuff. <laughs> this is them acting out. And then eventually they're like, ooh, do I like this degenerate, decadent world of farming that I've gone into? Or will I go back to the quiet, austere life of an Amish fellow? Listen, I'll, I'll, t I'll tell you what I like about that, because you actually described the plot of the Farrelly Brothers comedy Kingpin. Um, oh, you're right. Yes. Yeah. yes. So not bad. Uh, check it out, guys. It's a classic Bill Murray 
Uh, Bill Murray is amazing in that movie, by the no, way. He's fucking out of control. The Bill Murray and Woody Harrelson, like, I'm already, I don't give a fuck. I'm already Boss. in. Like, that That movie fucking is, it's a guilty pleasure. I'll put it like that. Anyway, uh, but Pounder420 asks, uh, who would you like to see get the next major and where? Um, he also adds a message for you, by the way, Duncan, and says, also never thought I would get name dropped by Forgiven. But I guess dreams do come true. Sadly, I can't afford to drop a thousand euros an episode for summoning insight. But you can have my undying love and affection. So, because uh, I did see you were teasing bringing back summoning insight, which is your uh, League of Legends. I will just say, like, you yeah. don't have to pay a thousand euros. Like, that was just yeah. a joke, obviously. But yeah, yeah. whatever. Um, so uh, who would who would I like to see get the next major? Uh, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because at the end of the day, there's not like a new tournament organizer coming up every week, and the ones that we've had come into the scene, like the Blast. I don't want them to have it, right? So, for multiple reasons. But what uh, about not blast a slash p on verk <laughs> yeah, This yeah. company seems to have a lot of potential. Yeah, yeah. Really there's like a lot that. of uh, there's a lot of actual Danish ministers in the cabinet. Seem yeah. to be very optimistic about them, but definitely don't own Re over nine percent. This of the refresh stock. teams yeah. organization <laughs> sounds like a real winner. <laughs> no, so I, I obviously don't want uh, the blast to have it for, like I say, for a variety of reasons. But maybe then, a couple of years. Yeah, maybe. I mean, if they, pull if they clean the show, yeah, 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 of course, yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't rule it out. But you know what? So who else are we talking about? Well, it can't be face it. Starlight had just got this one. Um, you know what? What? We, what needs to happen is Cologne needs to be a fucking designated major which if you look at the dates for the next two years can't happen basically yeah i mean that's the change the dates of the tournament that would be that would be an ideal anymore, thing yeah. or, or at least like just for one year do it yeah like, just give it them back because it's an obvious one now go yeah. on um but uh it you know I'm, I'm honestly stumped for like somebody i think that that isn't tried and true that's come along and like blown me away i feel like right now if we're just being honest about it in terms of technical uh aptitude now that e-league isn't there esl are doing the best cs tournaments it's the obvious one and I, I don't know what happened with that relationship between bald and esl um i imagine they probably weren't too happy with the whole fucking attempt at exclusivity angle yeah the 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 facebook stuff and the dmca definitely was poorly received um but at the end of the day on quality you've got it you've got to always yeah. have them in your top three at least right come on so um yeah like, i think i think esl are due uh one again um and i i think they're the most competent esports company right now which <laughs> fuck fuck saying that two years ago i know but uh but that's that's where we're at that's uh, why i say though i don't necessarily completely write off blast blast could do an esl and turn it all around and start fixing oh, yeah. things start replacing the people who are the assholes bringing cool at people you could definitely fix it all for me the more interesting part of that is the where I'll give you my mm. first one right off the top of my head immediately. Mm. How about fucking Denmark? It's a pretty yeah. good spot for Counter-Strike, you know, and it's already had a bunch of tournaments that have had a lot of fan turnout, and it happens to have some of the best Counter-Strike players ever to come from that country. I think it's a pretty cool spot. Sweden had plenty when they had DreamHack. I was going to say, and, and obviously you can come over from Sweden pretty easily. Exactly, yeah. Norway, Finland, you know, all of that area. Easy yeah. as fuck to attend. I think you'd have a pretty good attendance for it. Yeah. Oh, sure, even though the population's small. Um... So yeah, yeah, I think that everyone always wants MLG to come That'll back. Be my first. Yeah, obviously, Apicella and the boys. Uh, oh, and another thing, by the way, even though there have already been plenty of majors in North America, 
Mm-hmm. Mate, you're never going to run out of great locations in North America. First of all, the USA will always have tons of great spots. You, New York, how about that for a fucking major? If you mm-hmm. want to go to Canada, Sadikist always says, I agree with him, Vancouver sounds like a brilliant spot to go to a major. Yeah, yeah, I'd be down. Uh, right, and then last question. Uh, it is from Mike Feed Me. Says, will either of, either or both of you be doing any major prediction content where you break down current form and recent results before the rounds in the context of the matchups? That sounds like a Duncan thing to me. Guess you're going to be doing that, right? Yeah, I'm going to do one of those ones. Basically, what I do is that's what I do when I do my pick em video. I pick them, right. but I also like predict, like, you know, I also think this is a happen. I kind of use it as a, as a framework to do my predictions for that phase of the tournament. So mm. the only reason I haven't done it yet is because everyone else who's done it has done it to get, like, they even admitted it on Twitter, basically just to get the clout of being first. So yeah. the reason I haven't done it yet is they haven't released the first round matchups. Like, what if because of the matchups, I find out two teams that I thought were going to go. Zero and three play each other. Logically, they both can't, can they? So I'm just waiting for that one second. Well, yeah. I had the message from Rivalry today, like, oh, you're going to be, can you do a, a tweet with your predictions? And I'm like, brothers, like, first round matchups are fucking uh, been, what is it, like five, five, six days out? And we don't know who's playing who in the first round. I mean, again, I don't know if that's a Starladder thing or a Valve thing or whatever, but, but, but I mean, oh, I'm, pr- I'm, I'm pretty sure even like the fucking face it major. We I knew. feel like they were out at least a week or so before. Yeah, that, like I easily guess. a week, you know. And and like you're actually you generate type if people know the first round yeah, matchups. Like and, and and content creators get to make content about it and prediction videos and gambling sites get to put stuff out there and do, do, do. like this is fucking crazy that it, they're not out yet. So listen, we've we we've had a few uh you know we've been slightly critical of Starladder, not not massively uh, and it looks like they're amending some of the problems but yeah they, they need to get them out like tonight <laughs> like yeah, I, I, I want to yeah yeah you know what i mean gives you roughly a week but people should know uh teams should know everyone has a right to know uh but not yeah not face it levels of critical we're not there yet uh so look uh just one one last thing uh and then we'll wrap up the show obviously i did have a lot of people kind of saying oh are you going to talk about the henry g and sadakis topic and uh what's going on with the style ladder hires and stuff and it's like listen we're we're a week out of the major right uh i want i am a fan first and foremost but i also am a friend to all of these people it's not like we'll always address the drama. We'll be real about it. Yeah. But I'm not putting I'm not putting anyone, especially people I care about, in a negative headspace before they got to go, go and do a good job for all. We can do that later for the community. We can talk about that after the major, and that's when we'll pick it up because it's just not fair to to do it any other way, in my opinion. So um, we'll we're not going to dodge it because we always keep it real, but. Major first, guys. It's and by the way, we can, I can tell you already, the info that we have won't come out before them, but we can give you some great insight to these people, speculate on yeah. some of the reasons. We can actually give you some inside info, but like he says, what's the point in doing it? They haven't, none of them cast an event separately yet. Like, this is yeah. like a powder keg right now. I'd rather, I agree with you. Better just leave it till it's fine to talk about after the major anyway. It, it, exactly. Because, look, everyone's going to be fucking stressed out anyway, right? I mean, like, if you've ever... You, obviously, I'm saying the community. Yeah. You ever, if you've ever worked a major, you haven't worked a major. I, I've worked major. It's a pressure cooker, put it out. It, it, oh, it is. It is tough. And... and the, even you, as, as in fact, think of some of the anecdotes we have. Even people who are friends are snapping at each other, going mental yeah. at these tournaments. It's, it's just what happens, unfortunately. Yeah, it, it, it's it's... <laughs> long hours not a lot of sleep constantly on air constantly needing to bring energy 
Um, a lot of moving parts in terms of relationships. Like it's it's a hard environment to work, and everyone's watching all the time. Um, so yeah, I'm not gonna contribute to to anything negative because I want the major to be fucking great. Because I, uh, you know, I love Counter Strike and all of the majors. So, got shout out to the patrons uh, that make it possible. Remember, if you do want to pitch in and you can afford fifty bucks, you get a question, you get to contribute to the show, and we will ask them all, no matter how stupid. Uh, so, shout out to our hundred dollar patrons: Jerky's Mini Int, Elephant Somniac, Krakovic on Steam. Our fifty dollar patrons: Benakagi Assassin, but Pounder Four Twenty, Carve, Daniel Sellers, Eski, Madsen, Marcus Kionpa, Mike Feedme, Sadzawa, TC Owens, and Tobias Bernasconi. That was by the numbers. Uh, and take care until we see you next time. Peace.